Big week on the Fan Midday Show, getting rolling on a Monday from the DriveHubler.com studio. Welcome in, Brendan King, joined by a very special guest, but a very old friend to 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan, Joey Monero. You know him, you love him. Joey, welcome back, brother. Thanks, dude. I am so Excited to be here. I literally couldn't sleep last night, man. I'm thrilled, not because I have a six-month-old son. I was going to say, was that because of the kid or the excitement? No, a little bit of both, but seriously, I am just so jacked to be here. I got my guy, Jay Cook, across the way. We go back back, a long, long way. Did you know this, Brendan, about me and Jimmy? We went to high school together. I, did, I knew that. We did broad. He was like my first broadcast partner. Wow. One of my first broadcast partners. He was the play-by-play guy. I was just you know on the side trying to get experience. But yeah, we go back a long way, bro. Good to be here. It's like the look at us. Who would have thought? Literally. Not, not me? The Paul Rudd Except meme. Except you guys are studs. Live in action, yeah. yeah. You guys are studs, though. Good weekend? Yeah, great weekend. Absolutely. Great weekend. Didn't watch any of the All-Star game. I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it right now. You Didn't watch any of the All-Star game. <sighs> Who said it was the worst basketball game in history? Somebody actually said that. Malone. Every year. Yeah, Mike Malone. Yeah. D- yeah, but every, it was terrible. every year. It's. I, I listen, actually listened to a little bit with Kesty and PJ Carlissimo. Mm-hmm on ESPN Radio, and the way they describe it is like, oh, well, MB just let Giannis go dunk. Or, you can, that's what it is. It's like the only time in radio when you're doing a broadcast that you can have a conversation and not have to be telling the action because everybody knows that it's just like what Jalen Brown said, essentially a layup line. Yeah, you could just say somebody went and scored and <laughs> you're good with it. That's what it is. Do you have like some magical recipe? Like, do you have anything where you're like, you know what? This is my. You're sitting there. This is BK's idea on Sunday night. You can't sleep because you're so mad about the All Star game. You have something. You're like, this is what they should do to make it watchable. See, that's the problem. I don't know how you fix that. It's kind of like unless you go NFL Pro Bowl and you just make it a skills competition, or you can't. I mean, they made it the flag football thing. I don't know how you change the game of basketball though. I, but it should be the. I mean, this is the the glorified pickup game. You know? That's what it's supposed to it's be. It's supposed to be the glorified game, running out. It could be you know, at a YMCA. It could be anywhere where you got a court. And it's just guys playing five-on-five, five, running. you got the competitiveness. Sure, you have some people who are kind of cherry-picking and whatnot. But in the NBA, instead of a you know a nonsense layup that somebody would do at the Y, you get a 360 dunk, right? It should be that way. But then all of a sudden, you got guys doing the half-court threes in the second quarter. I mean, did you see... Damian Lillard do that, and the Kyrie I, I had believe to respond. It. I believe it, but I will say at least you talk about saving something. Who would have thought Mac McClung saved the dunk contest? I would have said I, it all hey, last I, week. I, Got ridiculed for it. Did we talked about it last week? We I'm did. just saying. I'm we just did. talking from a we general did. perspective. But you did call that Jay Cook. I was listening. You said this guy is just a dunker. That's what he does, and that's what he did. I watched him do that at least twice. When Georgetown came into Butler when yep. I was in school. Yep. That's what he did. We did have he that He did that during warm-ups. Right. Yep, yep, yep. Did you guys, because we're all about the same age here, did you guys ever have that? I mean, the only thing that I, I thought that McClung was sort of like a fairy tale. Like, I, it was almost like this guy. Like <laughs> He's I, an urban legend. Dude, seriously. Yeah. Like, I would only see like his mixtapes or like an Instagram reel that would have a million plays back in like 2014. I'm like, who the heck is this kid? And then he kind of just like, you know, every now and then I'd see him pop up and then here he is winning the dunk contest. He is an urban legend, it kind of feels like. Like Sam McGuffey, I tweeted about it. Or like, uh, do you ever watch Tavon Austin's highlight tape? Oh, yeah. Up? Yeah. Uh-huh. Like that complete urban legend. Yeah. Tavon Austin. Right. But yeah, good for Mac McClung. Hey, if if Mac McClung winning the dunk contest means that we actually see stars come back to it, I'm cool with it. Well, did you see Kevin Durant on his show in Boardroom? He kind of went in on that a little bit. 
I don't know if he can really back it up though, because I feel like he's not really doing many favors for. He it, would never he, do it. Not about the dunk contest. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm talking about he. He was saying how you know where's guys like Ja, where's guys like Zion. When I was growing up, you had more mm. of the stars that were out there. He's like, we got to kind of take more pride in this, and then you know he would kind of probably be one of the guys that's not really <laughs> participating very heavily in the All Star game, right? <laughs> so you could talk out one side of your mouth and then not do it the other way. But I mean, I guess it was nice having one of the faces of the league at least. Hey, let's get these guys out here. Yeah, at the very least around here, though, hey, both Pacers make it to the final Heck yeah. uh, of the three-point contest. Buddy Heald and Tyrese Albert. I think people just have to start betting the worst odds in the three-point contest because Carl Anthony Towns was 1,000-plus to win it last year, and then Tyrese, I think, was 750-plus 800 to go and win the dunk contest. He at least made the final, but mm-hmm. hey, that was cool, at least with Reggie on the broadcast. Yep. You get both Pacers in the final. Damian Lillard does outlast them. But, man, that was cool. It was. Friday night, Saturday night, you both had Pacers flavor. Benny Math on Friday, Nimhard on Friday. So it's good. On this national stage, right, you need. Uh, Needed. And little, uh, us, us lowly Pacers fans, we need this national recognition, right? We need these people to be able to see, oh, that guy from Indiana can play, you know? So then Saturday night, both of them going after it. I had Buddy. Did you? Uh, Jimmy, you had Buddy, right? I heard on Friday. I did Buddy. Yep. yep. Did, you, did you put that I, on I put a little. I put a little bet on Buddy. But and then I I put a bet on Tyrese to make the final. Really? Yeah. I I wasn't confident enough for him to win it, but man, he goes out and puts up thirty one, yeah. and then hey, I mean, they were talking about Tyrese's shooting motion mm-hmm. before the thing, and that didn't turn out to be a problem. I mean, it turned out that the guys who were actually taking full on jumpers, Herder, Hero, mm-hmm. they got gassed, and right. by the fourth rack, they were done. Right. Yeah, and that's why we thought all, you know, Buddy healed with that quick release, so smooth, so simple, that oh. he would be where he is, right? But Halliburton was a little bit of like a, eh, it's a little bit of an awkward shot putty type situation, but he hits him, right? If it he goes in, him, it goes in. Exactly, right? It's like, you know, you know, your stance when you're playing baseball as a kid, you know, your dad's always telling you to hike the elbow up, but if, <laughs> if you're hitting bombs, and dad can, you know, sit down for a second. But It's like I, Craig Council from back in the day. Like, oh, yeah, you always try to do that. Yeah, yeah. Council, Gary Sheffield. If I did, yeah. if I tried to impersonate Gary Sheffield in practice, that would be, I would be running miles. Like, I'd be in so much trouble. Oh, the bat, my, the bat would be in the dugout. Right. With losing it. Yeah. No, 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 no. I'm talking about, like, my coaches and my oh. dad would be so mad. Get that crap out of here. <laughs> You're not Gary Sheffield. Hike the elbow up. But going back to Saturday night, you mentioned Reggie Miller on the call. You had this Pacers infusion happening. Buddy Heald, Tyrese Halliburton, a lot of folks around here. I've heard Chris Denary talk about it. You know, the fan base has really gravitated towards Tyrese Halliburton, and for great reason. But it just felt like this 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 infusion, this beginning of something beautiful where we're starting out the year before, we're in Utah, you got this Pacers connection on the broadcast, all leading up until twenty twenty four, where we're gonna have the all star game. Tyrese Halliburton said, Book me for next year. I'm going back in the three point contest, which is fantastic. But I just really love the way that Reggie Miller always puts on for Indiana, always puts on for the Pacers. Right? I mean, he is essentially the Peyton Manning version of basketball in Indiana, in my mind. And I see a lot more effort on his part, a lot more pride taken in his part to try to make sure that the Pacers get that love, to try to make sure they know that he's the proud papa with with Tyrese Halliburton. And I think it's awesome, man. I wonder if he realizes that, or thinks, that is, that this is finally the group to to do it, Mm. to kind of carry on his legacy. Sure. Because... Obviously, it didn't work between Sabonis and Turner. 
Victor Oladipo left. Mm -hmm. Paul George left. The days of Danny Granger just weren't the same. Mm -hmm. Maybe maybe he realizes Tyrese is the chosen one in a way. Hopefully, and and, and I mentioned it. And the way he talks about him, for sure. Right. I mentioned it when I was on with you guys when I was down in Mobile a couple weeks ago. And you guys mentioned, you know, brought up my thoughts on Tyrese Halliburton, and I love the guy. I think he's outstanding. You know, that that break where he was injured, it was really, really tough to watch the Pacers play basketball. Ooh, Sixteen out there. of eighteen, yeah, and it's 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 clear night and day when he's on the floor what he does uh, for for that team. Um, but I just there's still that hesitancy. Do we want him to be that guy that's getting a mural of himself twenty years from now? Yes, absolutely. But time and time and time again, have we seen the, yeah, Paul George takes to Indy. Yeah, Victor Oladipo takes to Indy. Yeah, this is his city. Yeah, this is what we've been waiting for. This is our brand of Pacers basketball that we remember. And then they start getting more all-star appearances. And then they start, you know, and then then it trickles away. People get in their head. In their head. And I just, I I go to bed every night. I say, God, please uh, bless my family, bless my son. And please make sure Tyrese Halliburton wants to stay here. You know? (laughs) (laughs) But also, I think the right supporting cast is also here already, as maybe to years past, that you can recruit in a way, hey, why don't you sign this big deal? Because, look, we drafted Matherin right after you showed up. We drafted Mm -hmm. Nemhard right after you showed up. Yep. Um, Like, a guy like Daniel Tice sticking around here. That guy's got an NBA Finals pedigree. The, The right... Supporting cats, re-signing Miles two years, $60 million. Yep. It just feels different as opposed to year pa- years past with how they have built around the stars. Like It's not just the guy. It's, okay, these dudes could actually help you out and get to the playoffs. Mm-hmm. As bad as they were, 16 of 18, terrible. That, that was brutal. Brutal. But you already see, when Tyrese is back on the floor completely healthy, Buddy is now in threes, like a spring of basketball team. A lot of fun to watch. Yeah. And, and that win before the All-Star break... Against Chicago, you're coming down 24, right? And and, and it's just, I, I tweeted about it, but I feel like that was a culture win for the Pacers, right? Because in that situation, you're getting ready to go to the All-Star break. You got some guys who are going out there for the first time. You're down 24 in the first quarter, right? You could have easily just packed it in. And then now instead of coming out of, you know, getting it handed to you, going into the break and coming out of it, now you come back, you have a, 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 a solid win to get you going into the All-Star break the way you want to. You have some good national attention during the all-star break with those guys and then you're coming back and off their break thursday night you got boston in town it feels like if they would have you know whether what are the eight games under 500 right if they would have camped it in it feels like maybe they don't come out the second half of the season not really the second half of the season the last third of it to where there's a chance where they could go on a little bit of a run here but after the the way they came back in chicago now they're going in thursday night they're going to be at Gamebridge, boston in town it feels like okay Maybe they could string it together a little bit and make it interesting down the stretch. And even more so, star, supporting cast, coach. Yep. People, I think people are starting to take Rick Carlisle for granted. Not uh, me. Just a little bit. Not you. Not you. But this guy's <laughs> Hall, Hall of Fame basketball coach. Mm-hmm. Right guy, right time. He's got a brand new star. He's got all these big toys to work with. I don't, going back to the Reggie thing, whether or not Reggie has completely acted like this before with how he has supported Halliburton and the other stars, whatever. But it just seems like it's the right group for him to really go on tour for the Pacers. Sure. Yeah. yeah. You can line up and say, hey, I got the trophy. 
I beat LeBron in the finals with my guys, right? And it was with a franchise and with a team that, yeah, you had Dirk Nowitzki, who's a Hall of Famer, who's a superstar in the league. Yeah. But it, 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 you look back at that Dallas Mavericks team, and it wasn't like it was you know, one of these super squads that was put together that we saw that run, right? And they went in, and they took care of business, unfortunately, against Jay Cook's LeBron. I know. You still ride with him, dude? I do. I mean, I've, 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 always, <laughs> I've always been, and a lot of people know this, I mean, my family were paid for season ticket holders for years, yeah. so like... I find myself riding with Indiana more since I moved back after staying in Chicago and also being out West, man. I mean, obviously I don't have a kid, but like it's late nights. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's, it's like East coast, like, like, like the East coast life of a game being over at a normal set time versus being up to one in the morning, watching on the West coast. But to your point though, and that's, I think the similarities you're trying to draw between these two teams is you didn't necessarily have to have all-stars at every position, but you needed guys that were going to play stout defense that were going to buy into the culture that Rick Carlisle established in Dallas. Yep. And that's why I'm on board and why the Pacers gave him such a long contract is yeah. they believe that he can establish something similar and already has debatably more star power, at least more all-around star power than that Dallas team did outside of Dirk. No, no doubt. No disrespect to Tyson Chandler. No. <laughs> No disrespect. Even though, I mean, the way Miles Turner blocks shots. Yeah. I mean, yeah. He, he's right. Miles Turner blocks more shots on average than half of the NBA teams. Mm-hmm. Come on. Yeah. It's ridiculous. And that's why it's always, you know, it's been a, a hot button topic around here. I know that about Miles Turner, but it's just like, look, instead of trying to make him, you know, what he's not, just accept him for what he is. And that's a dude who's going to block shots, yeah. who can hit a three. I remember those times in those 2014, 2013 Pacers teams. How many times did you want to bang your head against the wall because Peril Antich would step out and hit a three and Roy Hibbert couldn't <laughs> do anything about it? And we're sitting here saying, yeah, that's great that he can block shots down low. Peril Antich just posted up at 30 feet away from the basket right that's what miles turner is now so i'm like hey instead of saying hey he doesn't get double figure rebounds every night right i'm saying let's take him for what he is he's gonna hit some threes he's gonna get your parawantich out there he's gonna block some shots let's roll it's joey molinaro back with us here at 107.5 the phantom brendan king jimmy cook is here you were saying before the show you got a you got a disney trip coming up no I do, yeah. Going to be down, um, going to St. Pete for the IndyCar season opener. Very, very excited about That's that. That's a cool track. I was there last year. That's what I've heard. I, I, I'm, I'm thrilled. Um, I've been to Mid Ohio, obviously Indy every year, uh, but I've not been down to St. Pete. So heading down there for that weekend. Very pumped about that IndyCar. Big year for IndyCar. A lot of young talent. A lot of star power there. A lot, uh, you know, the the television show that's coming. So that's going to be awesome. And then, yeah, heading down to Disney. So I know you're going to Florida here in a little bit. I'm going to Florida. We're getting our own little spring training going on. Yeah, truly, because I'm gonna hit the I'm gonna hit the Grapefruit League because yep. I'm gonna go see my buddy Joe Ryan who pitches for the Twins. There Twins are in Fort Myers, so I'm gonna go see my parents in Naples. And I'll be out in Arizona like third week of March, catching our boys from the Cubbies. By the way, Joe from Obvious Shirt said to say what's up. Love Joe. Love Joe. He has my. He could have just texted me. He has my number. Yeah, but, but I appreciate. Well, I was him texting him before the show. He's like, <laughs> okay. "Hey, say what's up to Joey. Love obvious shirts, but yeah, can't wait. Can't yeah, man. Wait. Uh, well, it is Monday, and I know that in my world, at least, you got your Monday mock drafts. So Love it. I don't know if you've taken a look at any of these at all. I did see a Colts logo next to Bryce Young at the number one spot. Yeah, there's a couple of different ones I that did are see out that. there. You know, every Monday you go up to so by the time we get to the draft, you know, they were talking, you know, version twenty seven point three. You know, there's by the so time many. we get to I, Kansas City, yeah, everybody's got one. They do, but it makes for interesting I love conversation. It. Now you mentioned the one with Bryce Young. You have the owner, Mister Ursay, dropping the line that only he could last week at the press <laughs> conference. 
tell you what, I like that Alabama kid, you know, which I'm sure we'll talk more about with Daniel Jeremiah coming up, lead uh, NFL draft analyst for NFL Network. He's here every year for the Combine. You see him on the big desk on draft night. DJ's going to join us at 2 o'clock. Looking forward to that. Talking all things quarterbacks, potential trades, both ways for the Colts. Uh, but there was one that I came across with Bryce Young, like you mentioned, where there's a massive trade-up. But there's two more that I saw that would you guess who was on both of them who was the selection at four at four for the Colts yeah at four yep no trade-ups no trade downs just at for any teams just for the Colts I'm talking and two and two that I saw that dropped today hmm well would Mr. Levis happen to be no at number four really Anthony Richardson nope CJ Stroud CJ Stroud rounds out this is from CBS do you think the Colts could get Stroud at four Without so on CBSSports.com, Ryan Wilson he drops one every week. His one that he he put on today, um, number one overall. He had the Bears field calls not taking any. Well, Anderson, Houston sitting there too, getting Bryce Young, Arizona three going Jalen Carter, and then the Colts having their pick of Stroud, Richardson, Levis, CJ Stroud is a is a selection according to him right there at four. No trade up. Not having to give up a bunch. Mm. Um, and then there was another one I saw. I think USA Today had one that was the same thing. CJ Stroud at four. Now, I was perusing around in the uh, YouTube lounge. Appreciate everybody watching on YouTube. If you're not uh, available there, 107.5 The Fan. Um, a lot of people were not high on Stroud. A lot of people were not high on Bryce Young. A lot of people were not high on Will Levis. Seems to be the state which, of the game. Which leads me to the question. What do you folks want? Do you want to stay <laughs> at number four and get the best player available that's not a quarterback? Do you want to do what Chris Ballard, I'm sure, would love to hear? Trade down and, and stack them picks and then take all the best player available? I mean, that's my question. I, I just, yes, you can nitpick and you can sit here and you can say, ah, oh, this guy's not accurate enough. I don't know how you know that, but this guy's not accurate enough. This guy doesn't do this. This guy doesn't do this. This guy, you know, was a bust written all over him. You know, I, I <laughs> at some point you got to, you got to make the commitment, right? At some point you got to get out the engagement ring, no? Well, you're going to have to, or else you're going to keep on playing the quarterback carousel around here, which is not an option in my book, Joey. Well, that's what I'm saying. You that's can't do I, it. That's why I don't understand. You know, it's like you could have all these instances where you sit there and you say, uh, you know, um, she eats this way on the date. She uh, doesn't like this movie. She doesn't like it. It's like, well, do you always, you know, do you just, you just want to stay single and keep keep dating the field, <laughs> or do you want to? I guess I should have flipped that to being that's a, okay. Uh, you know, like the, the lady. She he, he he. I don't like the way he does this. I don't like the way he does his hair. Do you want to be a bridesmaid, or do you want to have the ring on the finger? Like at some point, let's let's make it happen. You know, I mean, I just uh, like at what point is it going to get to a better situation than what it is right now in terms of yes, these are the most talented crop that we have. This is somebody that on a rookie contract that we can pair with our coach that we just hired who's worked with all sorts and forms of, of different quarterbacks in the league and has made them work and not only made them work but made them work to a high level at some point you just got to make the leap yeah truly opposite sides of the rainbow and philip rivers and jalen hurts i, I mean <laughs> right? could it be farther apart could it and then you have justin herbert who's right in the middle a nice yeah. little lukewarm too hot too cold lukewarm with justin herbert yeah just right, right. goldilocks goldilocks exactly yeah. 
and not just because of the hair, right? That's a it's, that's that's an added plus for him. <laughs> I just I, I know that this is going to be a very popular topic of conversation. It's something that I can't get enough about um, when you're looking at not only C.J. Stroud, Anthony Richardson, Bryce Young, Will Levis. I've seen even people throughout there, Max Duggan. I've seen people throughout yeah. Stetson Bennett. Seen Hennon Hooker from Hennon Tennessee. Hooker, yeah. right? Get him at you know in the second round, if you will, take best player available. But then again, I'm like, okay, you, do you not look around the league and realize that it does not matter unless you have the guy or the right guy to pair with your coach in the right system? It does not matter. You yeah. know who the three highest graded defensive players were the past three years, according to PFF? Hit me. Miles Garrett. Miles Garrett, Khalil Mack. Yeah. I mean, where, where, where were their teams in the third, fourth weekend of the, of the postseason? Right? Yeah. Nowhere. Bad. So it's like you want to sit there at four and you want to take best player available in your mind. You want to take somebody like Will Anderson. You know, that's great and all. But Will Anderson's 12 sacks a year and setting the edge doesn't matter unless you have a guy slinging the rock that could take you to the promised land. I think people's heads would explode around here if – Ballard went defensive line in the first round because of Tay and Odingbo. People people would explode what around would here. Cause more anger, a defensive player at four or trading back? Uh defensive. You think so? Yeah. Okay. Oh, my head would. Well, I'd be one of the heads exploding because I've had enough of that. But also, you have to remember, you know, if you want to take a quarterback at four, that's good and dandy. But the Bears at one, talking with. I'm going to try and get David Kaplan on sometime this week. Nice, but. You know, last time Cap came on, he's like, absolutely, Ryan Pohl should trade that pick. The Bears have not had this type of grasp on the National Football League since 1985. That, that's what Cap said. But you also have to remember, look at all the teams that need quarterbacks. The Falcons at eight need a quarterback. The Raiders at seven need a quarterback. The Panthers at nine need a quarterback. The Titans at 11 probably need a quarterback. The Jets at 13 need a quarterback. The Commanders at 16 need a quarterback. And you go on and on and on. All these teams are going to be vouching and probably have game plans right now of what they want to do, whether that's trade up or not. But there are teams behind you that have the same envisioning that you do. And take it, look, for those out there listening, you know me, have followed me, you know my allegiance lies with the Pittsburgh Steelers, so I'll get that out there for people who don't know me, right? My fandom lies with the Pittsburgh Steelers, right? It's hard. The following, the the covering is, you know, I, I, I love to follow the Indianapolis Colts because of being from Indy and, and everybody around here. And what I'm saying is that, yes, there would be people who say, Kenny Pickett, not the guy. Kenny Pickett could be the guy. Kenny Pickett is the guy. You took him at 20. But I'm sitting here and saying, well, at least we're going to figure it out. At least you, you have the option. At least I have the option to figure it out. Right. You keep playing the carousel game like we've seen the past six years. I just that's mind numbing to me. Oh, it would be egregious. But the, here's the problem too: you're gonna have to you're gonna have to sign a veteran quarterback to play with the young guy. So technically, your carousel continues in a way. Whether that's <laughs> Matt Ryan coming back, you're gonna need to sign a veteran backup. What Sam Ellinger not cutting it, not doing the job? Uh, well, I, I I've always been an Ellinger fan, but I don't know if. We, I don't we, know if that would work. Can we talk uh, Jimmy's boy Chad Henney out of retirement? Come, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, hold the clipboard, show drink, him the way. That guy's still th- drinking Bud Light. Yeah, you get him some Bud Lights. Yeah, honestly, sure who's he'll... still hung over most, Stetson Bennett or Chad Henney? That's it. <laughs> the Bud Light Blue Zone, brother. I, Throw St- him up there. Stetson Bennett's still on his championship tour. I still would be too, but yeah, I can't blame him. I do. I, for people who are saying, yeah, let's just take Stetson Bennett in the fourth round, I'm like, <laughs> okay, well, <laughs> <laughs> you, you you have at that, brother. Yeah, you have at it. <laughs> 
Honestly, they should just make him Mr. Irrelevant for the hell of it. He that'd won't be an be, unreal resident. I know. That'd be an under, two na- two time national champion yeah. and Mr. Irrelevant. Well, Purdy has really just screwed the pooch for everybody. He really because has. now Mr. Irrelevant, every single year, at least for the next five years, is like, hey, we, we remember. <laughs> I remember Brock Purdy. What happened with Mr. Irrelevant? And, you know, 99 out of 100 times is just going to be yeah. some third string linebacker that's probably not going to make the roster. Well, depending on where Brock Purdy goes in his career, it's the new. Oh, Brady was a six round pick? Yep. Yep. Purdy, Mr. Irrelevant. Yeah. <laughs> Haven't heard enough. Uh, Joey Molinaro is with us today, tomorrow, and Wednesday. Dude, yeah, we're baby. happy to have you. I'm so pumped Let's to be here. Let's keep it going. I'm Brendan King with Jimmy Cook, DriveHubler.com studio. Coming up next, the voice of the Indiana Hoosiers, Don Fisher, is going to join us. We'll be back with Fish after this. Time to hit the phones. Brendan King, Joey Molinaro, and Jimmy Cook with you in the DriveHubler.com studio on a Monday. Thanks for being with us. The Hoosiers have won four of their last five, including monster win against the Illinois Fighting Illini, Brad Underwood and company. A three at the buzzer to try and tie it. It would not go. Hoosiers beat Illinois over the weekend, 71-68. Now tomorrow night in East Lansing against Michigan State. That's a late tip at 9 o'clock, by the way. And joining us right now is the voice of the Hoosiers, Don Fisher. Fish, always great to have you. I was getting ready to do Indiana Sports Talk. I was talking with Bob Lovell, the great Bob Lovell, and we were talking about Trace Jackson Davis and just what he has done, especially over the last month or so. It's getting to the point, really, where you could just chalk up an automatic double-double, it seems, for any ball game that he's involved in. Well, he certainly played that way, there's no question, and he's gotten double-doubles like clockwork this year for the most part, uh, especially since we started Big Ten play in uh, early January. He's just played terrific basketball. Uh, he's a different player out there. Not not so much different in how he's been most of the year, but just different from years past. Uh, he plays so hard at both ends of the floor. Uh, he is a shot-blocking machine. He obviously leads Indiana University now, all-time career block shots. Uh, took over that uh, role from Jeff Newton uh, several ball games ago. Uh, he's now 2,000 points and 1,000 rebounds. He's uh, clocked into there with the first guy that's ever done that. It's just an amazing transformation, this guy, who as a freshman and sophomore, you could argue, didn't play hard every ball game and, and probably didn't work the, the hardest that he's ever worked uh, in that sense. And, and And not that he was lazy or anything like that, I think he just felt like he was he he could play, you know. He just he just wanted to play. It wasn't that big a deal that he didn't play as hard as he could or anything like that. He just was never really forced to. And now uh, he's just a different player. And there's no question he has willed this team here in the last several weeks uh, to to win some ball games. And with his performances. Uh, it's no wonder he's been named uh, Big Ten Player of the Week four straight times, which has never been done before. Voice of the Indiana Hoosiers, Don Fisher, joining us on the fan. Uh, Don, how much is it all that is contributed to Mike Woodson, really, and that switch that you see from Trace Jackson Davis, like you said, to where in the last year, last couple of years, now is just a totally different player in terms of mindset, his, his, his aggression when he's out there playing, the effort that he plays with? I, I think Mike deserves a, a ton of the credit. I don't think there's any doubt about that. But I think over the last couple of years, too, that Trace is has seen maybe his stock not be what he'd like it to be. And uh, I, I think he's taken on the belief that 
hey, I can play this game at the next level of that kind of thing. And I think he's trying to show people that. I, I think that's part of it. But I also think that he is a guy that wants to win. I think he's developed that mindset. Uh, his first two years here were not very good in the sense of winning a lot of ball games, um, and, and there were struggles, and there's no question about that. And as he's grown and he's matured, uh, there's there's little doubt that he has found out winning is the most important thing on the floor. And if it takes him getting double-doubles every ball game, that's what he's going to do. And, and he'll play whatever role he's asked to at this point because he just wants to win. Fish, the game that Miller Comp had against Illinois, I think, is what folks especially have been waiting for, just that lethal three-point shooting option, four or five from three. Uh, can he continue that in your mind? Because this could be the start of something, maybe getting hot at the right time. Well, Trace Jackson Davis, pretty much in the postgame uh, commentary on Saturday, uh, told the people that he needed to shoot the basketball, told him he needed to shoot the basketball. And apparently he's doing that, Trace is doing that to him almost on a daily basis now, telling him to shoot because he can flat shoot the basketball. And he ought to be saying the same thing to Trey Galloway because that guy can knock down shots as well. His his improvement in three-point shooting this year has been spectacular. He just doesn't take very many. But those are the kind of, uh, those two guys right there, could help this team dramatically if they continue to take more shots, uh, especially from the three-point line. But again, a part of that is uh, the opportunity to get those three-point shots. And if they're playing the, the pick-and-roll game most of the game and, and that ball's kicked out because the double teams are coming on trace, they're going to have the opportunities. And they just got to be ready to shoot. That's, that's probably the biggest scenario with these two guys is when the ball comes back out to you, be ready to take the shot. If it's there, take it. If it's not there, obviously you can pass it again. But these guys are more of a passing guy than they are a shooting guy first, and that's got to change. Don Fisher joining us on The Fan. Uh, so, Don, you just mentioned Trey Galloway, Miller Cop. Uh, no, looking ahead to Big Ten, play, Big Ten tournament play, March Madness eventually. Do you say um, how far this team goes in the postseason, you know, more reliant on – what Trace Jackson Davis gives you night in and night out, or those two guys making those shots, taking those shots uh, when they're afforded to them and really kind of being that X factor? Well, I, I think you always have to have guys step up. And you, kinda, you have to play the game and do what the other team is going to allow you to do. If the other team is taking those things away, then you've got to go to something different. Um, so, I, you know, you, you just have to be more versatile in that sense. And I think that's part of what – Mike is trying to build with these guys right now is that there are other people have to step up when certain things aren't working well. And certainly in the Northwestern game, they did a tremendous job at the first half of taking trace away. Obviously he got loose in the second half. They did some adjustments at halftime and got him going again. Um, and, and the Illinois ball game, they, they, they put, they're all playing him differently than they did the first time. And we're going to see probably the same thing with Michigan state coming up tomorrow night simply because, uh, you know, they didn't double-team him the first game either. And he went off on them. And so I got to feel like teams are going to uh, they're going to try and take away your best player if they can. And Trace is obviously that guy, but I think other guys have been stepping up. And if that continues, this is going to be a dangerous team come tournament time. Fish, you mentioned the Michigan State game, and 
obviously it'll be an emotional environment, you would think, in East Lansing based off what happened on campus and uh, the shooting that occurred. But just from a basketball perspective, going up to East Lansing, that's that's not an easy task for anybody, especially with Tom Izzo on the sideline. So uh, you mentioned the first game. What stood out most about that one in your mind and uh, what can the Hoosiers do to try and be able to sweep the Spartans this year? Well, in that in that ball game, there were several guys that stepped up. Obviously, uh, in that first matchup, uh, Indiana had uh, three or three different guys that knocked down shots in that contest. Tamar Bates was another guy that added to the mix with Miller Cop. Uh, Miller didn't didn't shoot it well in that contest. He only had two points, but Bates had 17 in that ball game, and Trey Galloway had 17 as well. So those two guys really came up and, and did well. And it's going to take that kind of performance again because Trace in that contest had 31. Indiana pretty much had their way with Michigan State the first time out. But as we know, the Breslin Center is a whole different ball game. And, and with Tom Izzo and, and what's happened this past week and them getting a, a game under their belt against Michigan, one of their rivals, on Saturday to kind of take away some of the, the negativity of the past week, uh, I, I think they'll be really ready to play. And, of course, they're still in the hunt, too. They're 8-7 and seven on this Big Ten in the conference portion of the schedule at this point. So they're right there, just like Indiana is with everybody else. They're all fighting for that one of the, third, the second, third, or fourth spot in the Big Ten tournament right now, even though the Big Ten championship is still in line for Indiana and Northwestern. These two teams still have an opportunity here especially with Indiana playing North or playing Purdue on Saturday. So there's still so much at stake, and there are nine teams right now that are all battling to stay in the hunt and maybe get a two a day by into the Big Ten tournament. That's legendary voice of the Indiana Hoosiers, Don Fisher, with us on the fan. Um, Don, you've seen just about everybody. All the great ones come through Indiana. I, I, I'm curious as to where Trace Jackson Davis's four-year run here kind of ranks for you or where you see him in the echelon of Indiana Hoosier basketball players uh, here as he, as he wraps up his senior season? Well, I mean, obviously he is, he is the, the biggest thing that's missing from his, from his itinerary for his right. agenda yep. is the fact that they haven't been big winners. They just haven't been, and they haven't won a big 10 title. They haven't been in the hunt for a big 10 title until this season uh, as a senior. So that always plays a big role in how you're viewed uh, as far as your legacy is concerned. And, but Trace has, has done so many things here and, and scored so many points, gotten so many rebounds. He is just willing this team and doing such a great job of leadership with this, with this team this year. He will always be remembered for what he's put forth here in this last couple of seasons under Mike Woodson. There's no question about that. But he, I know from his perspective, the one thing that's missing is winning something big, like a Big Ten title or going to the Final Four, getting a national championship. That's what he's all about this year, and hopefully he gets some of that to come to fruition. Now, following up off of that, like looking forward um, with the program, how, how helpful is that for Mike Woodson and, and the folks down there in the, the, the Indiana basketball program to be able to say, yeah, Trace Jackson Davis, he's a guy who could have gone – uh, pro, you know, after a sophomore year or junior year, when everybody stayed four years, like in recruiting, right? When you're trying to continue to build out a program, uh, does Trace Jackson Davis's kind of resume here be able to say something that you can hang your hat on to, hey, look, you can come here, play for four years, help your stock, and, and, and really uh, cement yourself in, in an all time program? Well, I think that's what's, I mean, that's how you recruit to Indiana anyway. You're always looking for those guys that want to stay four years. You want to get the guys that are, 
the one and dones as well. If you can find somebody that fits and and has the right mindset going into their freshman season or whatever, but but the the fact of the matter is, guys stay at school these days. They won't stay in school if they think they're going to the NBA right away. Uh, especially if they have a really good freshman or sophomore season. Uh, and we're seeing that with Jalen hood Chapino. I think he's, his stock is well up there as far as um, draft potential and all that kind of thing at this juncture. But, but all, all kinds of co- or all the coaches at Indiana have always tried to recruit a kid that wants to stay four years or can play well enough to be there one, two, or three, whatever it may be. Uh, anymore they're looking at it totally differently than we used to look at it guys it's not the same world that we're living in from a college basketball perspective and with the transfer portal and nil these these kids are all free agents so they look at it totally different than the old guys like us look at it fish this is the last one for me and actually what's happening on another section of campus right now terry morton's club winning their first big 10 regular season title since 1983 terry morton is a terrific coach i had a chance to do a butler indiana game last year and met her for the first time she was fabulous but you know the number two hoosiers are 26 and one so what's the vibe like on campus with you know such a prolific squad heading into the NCAA Women's Tournament? Well, I think the vibe you can tell just last night, they they had over 17,000. It was a packed house, standing room only. Uh, It has just been spectacular for the women this season. And the good news is uh, they're going to get Mackenzie Holmes back again for another year next year. Hmm. And the only graduate is going to be uh, a pretty special one in Grace Berger because she has been tremendous for this program in the last three or three, four years now. Uh, and obviously she's a, or a five-year player now at this point. So she's been tremendous for the program, but they're going to have virtually everybody back again next season. Uh, Terry Morin has done just an absolutely remarkable job of building this program over the years that she's been there. And you, you can't say enough about the girls program and now they're getting the crowds as well. It just makes everything more that special. He is the great voice of the Indiana Hoosiers, Don Fisher, taking some time with us on the Fan Fish. Appreciate it very much. Have a safe trip to East Lansing. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. See ya. Don Fisher taking some time. By the way, the Hoosier women, one more regular season game. That's on the 26th at Caitlin Clark's Iowa Hawkeyes. That's a big good time. one. That's a, that's a big game. Dude, we got called old by Don Fisher. I know. That's rough. Well, are you post-30 yet? No. I haven't, even, I haven't even broken into my 30s. Are you 29? Yeah. 28. I'm hanging on, brother. I'm we're we're hanging, hanging on, man. We both are. Jimmy, are you still 27? 28. You're 28? All right. All right but to his point, it, it, I mean, he's right. Like it, it is, even from when we were in college, when we were in the process oh. of picking colleges, yeah. totally night and day. Could you imagine being a an athlete that's legit a free agent no. in college? And, and, and the fact that, you know, you can openly just get these deals, bring in money. It's crazy. It's it fits for guys like you know Trace Jackson Davis for Zach Eady. That's what's interesting too is looking yeah. at this matchup. We already saw him play um, a few weeks ago, but then coming up in West Lafayette this Saturday, you, know, you look at two guys that are probably the two best players in college basketball this year with Edie and Trace Jackson Davis. Mm. And a lot of people couldn't even want to sniff them in the NBA right now, right? You go look at mock drafts. There's nobody talking about those guys. No, but they're gonna they're they're gonna. Millions of dollar athletes, yeah. Right, they're going to make a ton of money where they are, and rightfully so, because of the two best players in the country. I knew a guy who lived across the hall from Gordon Hayward and Ross Hall at Butler his freshman year. Yeah. 
And if NIL was a thing, imagine you're just some ordinary college student. You're carrying a slice of pizza back to your room at like two o'clock in the morning. Meanwhile, Gordon Hayward's like cashing checks Mm -hmm. and just like, oh, okay, there's my million dollar deposit. Yeah. And you're in the same dorm room that was built in 1955. The wild, wild west, man. Truly. Yeah, uh, of, of college athletics right now, you know, and it's it's interesting, it's exciting, it's it's kind of scary all at the same time. But uh, hey, you know that's why I call it the wild wild west, man. I, mm-hmm. I could honestly see like a documentary being made about it someday, really. Like the the transition, how all of that got implemented, and how it really just changed the entire landscape for these major, major programs and, and major college athletes. Hmm. Joey Molinaro, Brendan King, and Jimmy Cook with you. DriveHubler.com studio. Quick timeout. We'll come back. Scott Agnes coming up top of the hour at 1 o'clock. He was in Salt Lake City. He'll break down everything we saw from All-Star Weekend. Then, courtesy of Mr. Molinaro, Daniel Jeremiah, NFL draft analyst. One of the great ones. He'll take some time with us at 2 o'clock. That's all up next and following on the fifth. Beautiful day, downtown Indianapolis, fan midday show. Brennan King, Joey Molinaro, Jimmy Cook. Thanks for being with us. Hope your week's off to a great start. Monday's off to a great start. It's kind of the uh, weather, fellas, it's like, you know what? Starting to look at the golf clubs. Starting to see if anybody's got a quick nine. You can go hit uh, hit the links, right? You guys playing in the uh, little bit of cold weather? I'll take a you know, nice little pair of sweatpants and a... And a you know sweatshirt quarter zip. at the golf course, yeah, yeah. Give me give, give me a pair of golf pants, a quarter zip, and then maybe a beanie, right? You know, keep you nice and warm. I, I my head gets a little too hot for a beanie. All right, it's fair, but but yeah, no, I'm all about it. Actually, we played we play a lot of golf on the road in baseball because Can imagine our manager in South Bend, the great Lance Rimmel, who won a championship last September, he's back again in South Bend this season. By the way, he'll just text me. If he wants to play golf on the road, hey, hey, bring your clubs. Put them on the bus. Sounds good. You don't have to tell me twice. Heck yeah. Because the road team hooks us up. Really? On the course, yeah. The, because every minor league baseball team is sponsored by a golf course now. Sure. Kind of how it works. Makes sense. So Lance will just text the GM of the team we're visiting. He's like, hey, can you get us on? Yeah, no problem. Look at you, man. Yeah, man. It's huge. All the perks. That's great. Huge. Uh, appreciate you guys being with us. Got Scott Agnes coming up at the top of the hour. We're going to talk about uh, the All-Star game. Big, big All-Star break for the Pacers. Saw a lot of our guys out there in, 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 in Salt Lake City making it known that the Pacers are on the rise. And then, of course, you have the 2024. Really, it starts now. I mean, you've seen all the promotion for it. The All-Star game coming to um, our home, our city, our backyard in 2024. Looking forward to that after a four-year delay because of the pandemic, which we know. Uh, Two o'clock in a Network's lead draft analyst Daniel Jeremiah going to stop by, talk all things number four, what the what the Colts should do, who they should take, all of it will be discussed as the NFL Combine approaches next week. Looking forward to that, but it is an interesting time of the sports calendar here, BK, because you look around and as I was doing prep for the show, I'm saying you know you got college basketball it's still going right, you got IU tomorrow night, Purdue IU on Saturday coming up, which is very exciting. Got no NFL. It's a very dead time for the NFL. The coaches have been hired. The combine isn't until next week. Obviously, college football is off the doors. It is a downtime in the sports world right here at the end of February. It's quiet. Very quiet. Unless you love spring training baseball. But even that's not until the end of the week. Right? Yeah, right. I'm but, talking uh, like, right, unless, like you, unless you just love watching highlights of guys throwing. I'm talking, but, yeah, yeah, Monday through Wednesday here. It's a Tough. very, it might be the quietest time of the year. Well, I don't know how big of a hockey guy you are, but we got daytime hockey today, and that's big 
in the King household, at least. Big Florida Panthers guy. Yeah, but, well, actually, Pittsburgh doesn't have an eight. Well, yeah, I mean, Pittsburgh, let's see. You Penguins guy? Nah, I just, I mean, Jimmy, you would attest. Like, just growing up here, it just wasn't, you know, south side of Indy, we're not really focused on what's going on on the ice. See, I get it. I completely get it. And my complete what if, and you had like sent me segment ideas for the week, so I won't spoil it. But like my ultimate what if, if Wayne Gretzky stayed in Indianapolis, mm. this would be such a big hockey city. Yeah. Hockey culture didn't hit for me until I got to Bloomington and I was yeah. at Kilroy's. I was like, what are all these people? Oh, oh, they're Blackhawks fans. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Big Sweet. Time. Well, yeah, I mean, we were going to college right in the middle of right. the and they Blackhawks were dynasty. Peak. Right, right, right. I, it truly dynasty three and six. Yep. So. That's true. Yeah, college was definitely for me and Jimmy. I know was like the whoa, okay, you guys are wearing the sweaters. You're, you know, you're really. We got blues, folks. We got Blackhawks. I know a few guys. I know a few guys. One of my best friends. He just saw all the people. You know, he didn't like. You know, like the Instagram girls. You know, just throwing on a Blackhawks sweater because he's like, you don't even know anybody on the team. <laughs> well, that's what so he. Was. So he went blues. He went blues just yeah. to, you know, in spite of everybody. When I was going to, I mean, going to high school in the South Side of Chicago. I remember in sixth and seventh grade, like I said, my uncle was a Blackhawks season ticket holder, yep. and you could shoot a cannon through that place sure. in 2006 and not <laughs> yeah. hit anybody. Yeah. Um, but then I got to high school. I was like, when, when did all you guys buy Blackhawks jerseys? Yeah. Like, where were you two years ago? Anyway, but um, to go off your thought, the two days after Christmas are completely quiet. Well, those days are those days are just fake, anyways. They're, I mean, it's I, just I understand. A total well, everywhere. Th- not for people in sports though, because you got to work. Yeah, but then the thing is, is that nobody else is working, and so it's, it's all good. It's just everybody, okay. it's all it's all the 26th and 27th, totally fake days. Okay, I guess, because you've done updates here in this building before, <laughs> yeah. right? When You're you got to do, straws, you gotta do updates on the 26th and 27th, there's not there's not a lot to spread Get around. Those audio Joy clips, Molinero. baby. Those oh, long yeah, interview clips th- there's all, Those can only go so far, because those audio clips are like four days old, yeah. You're, and you're hearing Tyrese Halliburton talking about, oh, uh, the game from four days ago against the Rockets. Me and Polizzi joke about how, like, that's that's when, you know, those minute updates, you would let the music bed ride a little bit longer. <laughs> and then you would go in, you know, just to give yourself that extra five seconds. Yeah. So, but to your point, the two days after Christmas, I get it. Pacers are always on the 26th. I, I don't know what we got. Maybe next year's the year. We got some stars. We got some, uh, you know, the all-star game coming here. Maybe we'll get like the noon tip on Christmas day. That's what I've, I've been wanting that forever. Noon tip Christmas day in Indiana Pacers at Pacers at Knicks. Madison okay. Square Garden. Anyways, they play the night after Christmas all the time. And then, yeah, the, the 28th, 29th, when the college football big bowl game starts kicking in, yeah. that's when it really starts Much happening. better. But we're, this is that time of year right now. The President's Day time, we're in that at the moment. Is President's Day, was that George Washington's birthday? I think, that- but I saw Chuck Lofton this morning. I up with he's always got the holiday forecast well yeah that I'm guys up, know what he's doing <laughs> i'm up with frank every morning and it's, you know so i have on you know it's like me and all the 80 year olds are up watching channel 13 and, and chuck lofton he's given the forecast and he was talking about president's day and he said like apparently it's not like congress says we don't have to call it president's day we all just like agreed to call it president's day i think it's just like the holiday in february where people are like yeah you should have monday off after the super bowl here's this so you can like be happy <laughs> you know here's so you don't get too down of working the entire month of february I don't know. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was always I always grew up with the impression that it was George Washington's birthday. We also had a weird day off school in Illinois, Casimir Pulaski Day. That's you ever hear of Casimir uh, Pulaski? No, nah, please don't. Please he was the me. like he was like the greatest guy from Poland that ever lived in Chicago. 
and he was a Chicago legend. So Chicago school kids get <laughs> you guys a, just celebrate him. Yeah, get, Chicago school kids get a random Monday off at the start of February for Casimir Pulaski Day. So is that just like I feel like all of, he's like, like the he's like the goat European of Chicago. I feel like all the Bears guys are just off. You know, they're just like grandsons of that guy. If you ask anybody that you know from Chicago who Casimir Pulaski is, they can they don't know who he is. But you but have a day off. You school. get a day off school. So what do you guys do? Just like eat sausages and? Uh, no, I've never. Part- I've, ne- <laughs> I've never participated in a Casimir Pulaski day. I always just stayed at home and enjoyed an off day. Nice. So but there's I, an itinerary that you might not know about that. Uh, there's probably a bar day? crawl in Chicago, but when <laughs> it is instant, there a bar crawl in Chicago. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So there you go. There's a ran- random off day for every school child in Chicago. Man, and around here, Jimmy, I know you can attest when the Colts are in the Super Bowls. Yeah, they, they'd get up in arms for having that Monday off after the Super Bowl. Everybody would be loving it, but our principal would absolutely hate that. Did that happen for you guys when the Bears were playing the Colts in the Super Bowl? Did you get the day off after? Did not get the day off Dang. because the Bears lost. So, Well, even we had the day off when the Colts lost to the Saints in 2010. Yeah, but correct me if I'm wrong, and now I'm going to have to do research on this, but didn't like the archdiocese make that? Like, I don't know if it was everybody. I know for certain Ooh. Catholic schools did when they lost, but I don't know if it was... They're just making their own rules, huh? everybody or not. That's tough. Can you imagine on Friday? They're like, hey, kids, you have Monday off only if they win. <laughs> <laughs> Your life's riding on that game, brother. <laughs> when I was in fourth grade, my fourth grade teacher, that was when Illinois was making their run to the Final Four. D. Brown. D. Brown. Luther my- Head. My fourth grade teacher, James Augustine, is from my hometown. Okay. And my fourth grade teacher had him in class, and we got promised a pizza party if Illinois won, and then they lost to they North lost, Carolina. Yeah. You guys would only gotten like one of those thin little strips yeah, of pizza anyway. Yeah, it's, like, anyways, it's like one slice each. The budget's stretched thin. I know. But I, I, I appreciate that. That's like a fun, cool thing that teachers did. It was always the yeah, worst when cool. teachers, you know, we got March Madness coming up, and they'd be like, I don't want to see them. <laughs> I don't want to know about them. But then they're in the back, like, filling out themselves. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, when uh, my senior year of high school was Brad Stevens' last year, and I was, you know, let's see, the first Final Four was like my sophomore year, the yep. second Final Four was my junior year. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I had to enjoy that. I had to sneak the phone. You kidding? Absolutely. In history class. It is a uh, downtime, quiet time in sports, but, uh, you know, we're keeping it interesting around here. We got Scott Agnes coming up at the top of the hour. Next, talk uh, all things Pacers, the All-Star break, what to expect coming back from that. Daniel Jeremiah at 2 o'clock. Don't go anywhere. It's a fan midday show. DriveHubler.com studio. It's the fan midday show. Welcome back. Also with you on YouTube at 107.5 The Fan. Brendan King, Joey Molinaro, at BKing Sports, at Joey Molinaro. Jimmy Cook is here, at VJ Cook on Twitter. Mr. Molinaro, what is your favorite NBA All-Star Weekend contest? You know, as a kid, it was obviously the dunk contest. Yeah, when it was cool. Technically cool. Yeah, I mean, now... Even though it was kind of cool this weekend. Right, but now I think the more interesting is the three-point contest. And it has to be, you know? Yeah, especially since they added like the the two deep three balls, like yes. the neon green ones. Yes, I was surprised when Buddy missed both of his neon greens in round one. And it's there's like, some bigger name guys in there, you know. It's not like the dunk yeah. contest. Yeah, they got to figure that out. I wonder if Mac McClung's performance will make, as we said, the stars come back. Hopefully, I hope so. I hope so. And joining us now through the phone line is Scott Agnes. Our buddy from Fieldhouse Files covering the Indiana Pacers. You heard Scott here on the Fan Midday Show last week. Are you still in Salt Lake City or are you back at home? I am. Good to be on with you guys. But, yeah, obviously no direct flights, 
not many options. And on top of that, there's about 60 to 70 like delegates indie contingent out there. So not many good flights. So I'm actually staying one more day. Okay. So Shaq said on TNT, I'm not sure if you heard the highlight that Shaq goes, there's nothing to do in this city. I've never had more room service in my life. So what do you do with an extra, (laughs) what do you do with an extra day in Salt Lake city? Well, right now I'm uh, just in a great lake, great uh, Salt Lake state park. And so I'm going to, swing by that and see what there's to see here um i feel like you got to check that off if you're spending a week you know right here in salt lake city so that's on the to-do list today i love it scott agnes joining us from fieldhouse files scotty you had the angle that i think we all wish we could have had in salt lake city it looked awesome take us through the weekend how'd it go yeah so it was jam-packed it's one of those day or one of those you know events and showcases where don't get a ton of sleep. There's always different events to go to. You really have to pick and choose. But obviously, there's those main featured events. And for us, it was exciting because there was pacers in everything, everywhere you went. And it's funny to look back and think back to that three-point contest. You got what the pacers wanted. with two, They're both their guys in the final round. But if Damian Lillard didn't get hot at the end and make, and if he missed any one of those final four balls that he made – Buddy Heald is the three-point champion and surprisingly would have been the first pacer to ever be three-point champion. Reggie, Paul George, and Danny Granger participated but did not win it. But throughout this week, there's the NBA uh, you know, crossover event, which is kind of the fan jam, if you will, at the convention center. The, my biggest surprise from my experience the past four or five days, guys, is that it did not take over the city like I think it should or an event like this should. The streets were not crowded. It was not busy at all. Like I expect like the Super Bowl, Georgia Street to be packed downtown to just dominate much like it does for the Big Ten tournament. And that was just not the case here. Scott, do you think that, I mean, even looking ahead to 2024 when it's here, I mean, we all think and we envision, like you said, whenever Indy hosts events, you got Meridian, you got Georgia Street, everywhere is packed. Mm -hmm. I mean, do you think that just because, you know, the popularity among college basketball, college football, and the NFL is compared to the NBA? Or do you think that Salt Lake City, they're just kind of, eh, who cares? I think it's probably a combination of that latter and being kind of hard to get here and maybe not a polarizing spot for people to go. Maybe that's part of it as well. The great thing that Indy's selling itself as is they're like, you know, there's, there's like five or six NBA teams that are like five hours or less. So you hope to bring in a lot of those Cleveland fans, Chicago fans, Milwaukee, Detroit, that will make the drive up. I think you'll have a lot of Louisville basketball fans maybe come up and go to the the convention center event and go to dinner downtown and that type of thing. That's what they're obviously aiming for. But you're right. I mean, Georgia Street will be great. That new area that's not yet complete, the Bicentennial Plaza just north of the field house, Mm -hmm. that's going to have a speakeasy, all that stuff going to be fantastic but i think the heart of it is going to be at the convention center maybe a lucas oil stadium involvement but everybody here was excited to see what's next because here was fine was not great was not bad it was just good Hmm. scotty looking at the rising stars benedict matherin and andrew nemhard competing i know nemhard had a highlight real pass and then matherin went off for a few minutes scoring wise Uh, what do you think participating in that for them did most just kind of putting their name out there and allowing the national nba side of things getting to see their talent yeah that's the number one thing because pacers have only been on national tv once so here they're reaching a much larger audience and more so specifically and this goes for the whole weekend is the international um flavor there's a lot of people i was walking with a gentleman from japan 
to a media uh, post-game party a couple nights ago. Like, you just don't get that at any regular NBA game. So you got the national exposure and international. Uh, and then the other thing is, it gives you kind of a taste of perhaps of what's to come or it gives you a little bit of a drive to want to be a, a true all-star and experience the full weekend. And then I think the other thing is you, you kind of get to hang out with some of your peers that are kind of of equivalent level, right? So his team was stacked, but he had Bonchero on his roster and Keegan Murray. And so you do get a little bit of time to hang out with them and get to know guys that you are going to be rising up in the NBA, hopefully over the next decade. Scott Agnes with us here on the Fan Midday Show. Uh, Scott, what's something that wasn't available to the fans out there in Salt Lake City? What's something that wasn't available to them that you would want Indy to capitalize on that you would like to see Indianapolis feature when we host the All-Star Game next year? Hmm, great question. Um, let's see. Here's my thing. I would love to I – was, I was disappointed by the Halftime Act. I guess it was kind of controversial. But I, I would love for that to to have some local flavor, but also to have some star some star power that people will really be drawn in. Um, as far as something that was available to us and not the public, I can't think of anything off the top of my mind. But I just know the organization for what Indy's going to be able to do, and because of what they've done, is going to be fantastic. Because, for example, there's there's several media availabilities out here, right? So something fans would not know or recognize, but you're taking bus shuttles to those events. And because they're not centrally located, uh, some of that was at the University of Utah, about a 20-minute drive away. Mm-hmm. Well, the bus got lost a couple of times. It took about 45 minutes. Oh. I have no doubt Indy will crush that. And on top of that, you'll just take the Skywalk, presumably, right, from the JW or the Marriott right downtown over to probably the convention center. So sure. it should make things a little bit more seamless and um, without issue for Indy next year. So by star power in the halftime show, you mean just bring Red Panda here, right? <laughs> she's kind of faded, yeah, right? Yeah, I know. She's she's getting older. She's struggling. But no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> next year, Scotty, the three-point contest, I think Joey and I were talking about earlier, Tyrese has pretty much already said that he wants to run it back, and then if Buddy Heald sticks around, I think that'd be awesome to kind of have that local flair. And maybe, too, if a Pacer wants to do the dunk contest. I mean, the Pacers have the guys pretty much to do everything, and maybe that can build the excitement around here when it comes to the skill competition. Yeah, I, I think Indy and the Pacers are going to love the fact, and this is really true for the last year since he's been acquired, is Tyrese is all in. He, he's so excited and, and willing to embrace everything about really being an ambassador for both the city and the team. And so you're right. Yeah, he reiterated, hey, I'm already getting ready for next year. People are asking about stuff. I'm going to have some things in the works. Um, I want to be back in that three-point contest. Buddy does as well, I think, as long as uh, they'll have him. But I wouldn't be surprised, though, if they try to, of course, mix it up a little bit. Maybe you bring in Tyrese because you do want at least one local representative uh, if you can. Uh, the three-point – or excuse me, the dunk contest, it was much improved. But kind of going back to what I was talking about with the halftime musical act, I want more star power here as well. Because while, yes, Mac McClung and what he did was fantastic and it was entertaining – I would love to see Indy maybe set the new standard, much like we saw with the Super Bowl, with the zip line in the fan plaza. Now those are standards mm-hmm. for teams to host the Super Bowl. Why not something for them, get some outreach from corporate sponsors, and can you get like, can you put like $4 million in briefcases at midcourt? Winner of the dunk contest gets that. Or something dramatic and uh, an amount that's worthy of guys 
getting involved because what we need to see, we want John Moran, right? We want Zion. You're not going to get LeBron, some of those aging stars, but you need that star power. And I think that would really help it get back to what it once was. Because if you look back to 1985, when it was last in Indy, the names of the dunk contest were just fantastic. All headline guys. And I would love to see that return. Scott Agnes with us uh, on the fan. Scott, I, I have talked about it at the top of the show. I talked about it when I uh, hopped on with Brendan and Jimmy a couple weeks ago uh, about how the fact that I love Tyrese Halliburton. I, I love um, everything that he's bringing both on and off the court for this organization, for the city. But there's still that little bit in me that, hey, I've kind of seen the story before. Paul George, mm-hmm. Victor Oladipo. What would you say makes him different from those guys and what you've seen so far in terms of, yeah, this is the real deal. Maybe he will be here for 15 years like Reggie was. Yeah, Joey, that's a very real question and conversation, I think, amongst Pacer fans because they felt this love and, and, and they've embraced those guys before. But then those guys evolved. They changed. They had other ideas. Obviously, Paul George wanted to get back home to L.A. Victor wanted to get down to Miami. Those guys made those that picture, picture perfect and clear for everyone. I think the big thing here, Joey, is the fact how Tyrese is kind of one of us. He's Midwest roots from Oshkosh, Wisconsin, has family in Indy. So he was coming to Indy for not only um, AAU events, but also to visit family up in Kokomo every single year. So there's that connectivity, I think, a little bit. Um, And so far, I have not seen any kind of, you know, big head or, you know, this market isn't for me. I think he also comes from a, a situation in Sacramento where he had committed to them and been all in. And then they suddenly trained, traded him without warning. And I think now he's trying to put that behind him and has and really wants to make his, make this his own because he's a smart cerebral player. And I think he probably saw what Victor gave up, what Victor – Victor was never going to mean to any other team what he meant to the Pacers, but more so the state of Indiana. And so I'm thinking between what Tyrese has done, who he surrounded himself with, and in this case I mean that in a good way, uh, and the Pacers have helped them. You know, it's one of his close friends is a video coordinator. It was brought on. We're, you know, they have surrounded him well, and he has responded and treated the city so well. Um, so I, I'm cautious about it, but I hopefully, fingers crossed, don't see Tyrese being the next to do that. Scotty, Joey and I were talking about this earlier when it came to what Reggie Miller was saying about the Pacers and just the Pacers stars on TNT. Not sure if you caught any highlights or not, but really, I mean, Reggie is in full support of, it seems, the core that is here in Indiana. And Joey was bringing up comparisons between Tyrese and Reggie earlier. So, I mean, do you see the fan base giving a similar amount of love at this moment to Halliburton? Can the fan base see that Tyrese has that sign of Reggie in him. Yeah, so I, I wasn't able to really listen to those because I was inside the arena and it's loud and, and, and all of that. But I did see uh, how Reggie took a photo with Tyrese, how Rick Carlisle a couple weeks ago said what you just said and that he sees a lot of Reggie in Tyrese. Um, I see it with his shot, right? So much <laughs> of us want to, you know, I mean, why didn't anybody correct his shot or make it more normal? Well, guess what? Reggie's shot was not normal. And he did quite well. Hall of Famer, one of the best shooters that we've had in that league. So um, that stands out to me. I wish we'd hear more from Reggie, more expansive about the Pacers and Tyrese and, and things like that. You get a little bit of it on TNT. But there's, I see a lot of similarities. 
um, family being important, growing up and, you know, where, where they had and what, how they grew up in certain situations. Um, but, yeah, I think, I think Tyrese is, is so far exactly what you see. And that's, that's a really encouraging sign, I think, for the Spacers team. They're still a couple years away from being a contending team, guys. But with him at the core and as the face, now if you can get one more star in this upcoming draft, then you're on to something. That was going to, yeah, let me write into my next question, Scott. Scott Agnes joins us. You know, right now you've seen some highs from this 2022-2023 team. You see down the line. You see the hope, the potential, the future. Now, is it next year? Is it two years? Is it signing a big free agent? Is it just continuing, yeah, like you said, through the draft, um, getting another guy uh, at the high end of the draft? I mean, what's the next, very next step to where it said, okay, now the Pacers aren't going to be battling for that seventh, eighth spot. They're going to be showing hope. Now they're up there towards the top of the Eastern Conference. Yeah, I I think first of all, what we saw in the first, what, 40, 50 games was just special. It was a little bit of some magic that they yeah. caught in a bottle here. But then they, they got grounded a little bit after Tyrese got hurt, and I think that was honestly the best thing for him. It was a nice reality check that, hey, yes, you've had success. Uh, it's been a pleasant surprise. You've been one of the good stories in the league to begin the year. But it was a little bit of fool's gold as well. And so um, I, I think with this being year two of the rebuild, there's a clear plan in sight. Uh, there's a clear priority list. And you, what you hope is now being in the lottery, presumably, uh, this upcoming summer, that'll be year three of that. Going into you know three years ago, they had been a playoff team, which also means you're not drafting in the lottery for 29 of 35 years. That's, a, that's an incredible run. You think about franchises like the Sacramento Kings. Now, they're going to break it this year, but they have been on a stretch of like 16 straight years without a playoff run. The trouble is they were always good, never great. And so that's the level I think they've kind of reset the expectations. They tried to get off this treadmill of mediocrity, as Kevin Pritchard talks about a lot. But you're trying to get that one more lottery pick this year, another year to grow, develop, see what Isaiah Jackson is. Can he be part of that core as well? Uh, You add some more shooters because Rick loves shooters, loves playing fast, loves playing five out. Think about Matherin as a year three player, which is what Tyrese is right now. Then I think – they have a good shot at contending. And and with the Pacers, you mentioned free agents. The trouble is in this market, they just haven't. History has shown until it changes, they're not going to get any landmark significant free agents. That's just the reality. I mean, all we've seen is David West, which was a great player. He was. But not a a significant impact player in terms of reaching the postseason and, and going on from there. So it's through the draft. And then you're also trying to work trades, and that's where this front office, I give them a lot of credit the last two years. Every one of them thus far has worked out from the trade department. Scott, does the current status of the roster, though, would that change things in attracting free agents? The fact that a true star in Tyrese is here, Buddy Heald sticks around, Miles signing the two-year $60 million extension, does that change the perplexion for potential free agents of, okay, you know, Indiana, you can see the ingredients maybe my thought of going there would change. Yeah, I think one, having a vision and being able to see it is key. I think seeing them have play with joy and have fun is notable. But I, I think more than anything, if, if I'm the front office and I'm an agent out there, I'm saying look at what playing with Tyrese does. 
Look at Miles Turner having the best year of his career, and he got paid. Look at Buddy Heald and his three-point numbers and the, how he leads the league in three-point makes, how he then earned a trip to the three-point contest because of it, and then soon will be due for a contract extension and get paid. I think Tyrese is one of those that makes everybody around him better. And on top of that, he's one of those rare stars, I think, uh, evolving stars in this league who's not all about me, me, me on, in terms of the court. Much like LeBron sort of in this department is he loves passing and getting teammates open and making the right basketball play. And so if I'm a free agent, we're not, and to be clear, I'm not, I'm not talking the tier one, probably not tier two. But once you're in tier three, yeah, for all those reasons I just laid out, I think Pacers will warrant more consideration than they have in the last decade. Scott Agnes joins us. And Scott, I, I don't know how much this affects players' decisions, agents' decisions, but and I guess that's why I'm asking. But with all the <laughs> with all the uh, revamps that has gone on at, at GameBridge, both outside, inside, the practice facility, the training, I mean, I saw that video when George Hill came back uh, after that trade, and he yeah. was like, wow, blown away. This wasn't here when I was here. Does that weigh in at all? I mean, with, with the uh, investment that they're making on that front, is that at least something where it's like, hey, this is a, a nice place, literally a nice place for you to be in Indy? Yeah, I think it's probably five, six, seven or so yeah, yeah. on the list, quite frankly. You'll have some free agents that will commit without even, you know, visiting and getting the full experience. Now, most of these free agents, right, they've, you know, they've played in the arena. They've been in the visiting locker room. But, um, yeah, you bring up George Hill. That's a great point because he was one of the few players involved in the planning process but was suddenly traded yeah. right before it was about to open. So he was never able to experience maybe what he had um, plans laid out for there. But w- number one, you're talking about winning. You're talking about market. You're talking about the contract offer. Now, if that's equivalent, uh, you're probably talking about the market size, TV uh, availability, and you know how many times you're on national TV. Um, I think the city and, and things to do certainly plays a factor. The weather, you're probably going to sign in Miami before you sign in Milwaukee or Minnesota for obvious reasons. And so uh, in terms of facilities, it's one of the best in the league, no doubt, but so many of them, much like we see in the college landscape, it's it's an arms race. And so generally speaking, there's a lot of great facilities out there that that would not be the number one or two tipping point. Scott, when you were in last week, we were talking about how the Pacers, some of them could be a little burnt out based off of the run that happened from basically January 10th until now losing the 16 of 18 and that you know maybe some players would rather be in Cabo or Miami rather than the NBA All-Star Weekend but did you get a sense that from when you were talking with Tyrese and Buddy that they were going to get time to rest before Thursday the Pacers get back in action against Boston? Yeah that's the plan but it's it's just a little bit of time I was surprised neither one of them uh, or any of the Pacer guys are getting time to go anywhere whether it's you know excuse me, down to Florida or anywhere get to get some sunshine and to a beach. Um, part of that is because Rick Carlisle has practice on Tuesday, already scheduled despite, you know, not playing until Thursday. And that was something Tyrese was joking about. He goes, you know, RC don't play. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was pretty good. And those two have a very good relationship. And, and that's one of the reasons for the team's success. But no, uh, I'll, I'll give, this is how, you know, he's a, he's a true pro and he's been here and done that before probably the majority of the media had gotten downstairs from the top of the arena to the bottom where all the interviews went on, LeBron was already halfway through his press conference. 
He's getting the heck out of there and probably on the first private jet to Cabo or something similar. Uh, so that's how you do it when you're a pro. And then, uh, meanwhile, Tyrese was joking. He was like, man, you can tell him a first year I'm a rookie at this. I'm staying overnight. I'm grabbing dinner, and I'm out <laughs> first thing in the morning. <laughs> that's the difference right there. Hey, sounds like something I would do. And that's why we love him, right? That's good stuff. <laughs> um, now, what are we looking at here, Scott? We got Boston. The Pacers have Boston on, on Thursday night. Gamebridge kicking off really the last third of the season, not the last half of the season. And you mentioned they're in play for uh, the lottery, but, I mean, is this – yeah, is there a little bit of a stretch run in them to make it interesting, or are we just looking at, hey, competitive losses and let's uh, get some of those ping-pong balls? <laughs> Ideally, yeah, right? It's that last point. Is you want to you have some fun. You want to see this team um, show improve upon some of the things that have been troubling, right? Their, their poor starts. First quarters have been the worst in the league, uh, falling behind yeah. uh, and some of that. But, you know, the fact that they've stud- stuck with it and not given up, that's been all great to see. But they're also pros. They're paid to do that. Right. Um, where it gets difficult, Joey, to your point, is after Boston, they have a daunting stretch. 11 of their next 14 games on the road. So they've actually – that's part of the reason I think they had a lot of that early success. It was home-friendly, and they didn't play the top three teams in the East until late December. Um, and so now they're about to go out on the road. And I think, one, it'll help – this group come together a little bit more. It always does when you're, you're kind of forced to be in it and, and on the road together for uh, you know a week on time. But it's also very difficult to win on the road. I think maybe they have eight road wins all season. Um, they haven't won a road game off the top of my head since December 23rd at Miami. So uh, it's not a favorable portion of their schedule uh, to round things up here. But I'll be curious to see what kind, what kind of uh, motivation and energy they are able to come back with Um, after this All-Star break. Because to your point as well about not being the second half of the season, I'm not sure you're ever going to see this change again, but you could tell all of us, everybody in the league and around it, was kind of dragging here at the All-Star break because Mm. we're 60 of 82 games in. If you could really you know push it or push it forward a you know a month earlier so it was a true midway point i think that would make for a much more enjoyable january of games whereas those as always are known as the dog dog days of the season for sure scott last thing your time in salt lake city favorite person you got to talk to either for the first time or re-upping with this weekend no uh i think for me honestly it sounds probably will sound like a corny answer but after all we went through with COVID and all of that, just catching up with so many of media friends that I see from afar, especially national people, they don't come into Indy very much. Um, so c- catching up with some of them throughout the time, the Chris Ain, Sam Amick, Howard Beck. Uh, so for me, that was great to see. I did, for Indy relevance, got to briefly talk with Domas, got to briefly see Paul George uh, yesterday before the game. Um, and so I, I thought that was cool and enjoyable for me. Scott What's, Agnes, oh, go ahead. Sorry, no, I just, I was, I just was thinking about it. What's like the, you know, the cuisine in Salt Lake City? What's you know when people are like, hey, you know, think of Indy, it's like, yeah, St. Elmo's, Harry and Izzy's, right? I'm gonna go to those those joints. When you're in Salt Lake City, what's like, ah, you gotta have this. Good question. I'm not sure. Uh, one of the one of the media events we had something that was like a really good PF Chang's, which I wasn't exactly expecting. Uh, then we had there there was no obvious. Um, takeaway or suggestion right we all know what we'd say in indy crumbled cookies were something they gave to us media a lot i don't know what what the connection or deal or endorsement deal was there 
uh, between those. But we got like crumble cookies at every single event, which are great. But uh, you know, we 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 had so many of them throughout this weekend. Every college answer to that though. Every college girl on Instagram plays puts crumble cookies on their Instagram story. I did deal with crumble cookies. I like them quite a bit. Yeah, no, no, they're great. I'm just saying, like, it's a cake. Basically. It's truly a cake. Anyways, but thanks, Scott. Scott, <laughs> Scott Agnes, thank you for Fieldhouse Files. You can catch his work, 1075thefan.com as well. Thanks, Scotty. You bet. Thanks, guys. Scott Agnes taking some time. Uh, you know what? During my time living in Idaho, uh, Rocky Mountain oysters are big in that type of area. Salt Lake City, Boise. You know what okay. those are? I know what oysters are. I don't know if the Rocky Mountain has anything to they're, do. They're not oysters. Yeah, I was going to say, something tells me the Rocky Mountain is doing a lot of the workload there with that, but I don't yeah. know what it is. Do you know what? No, no. Okay, we're, we're going to have you Google this during the break, okay. and we're going to come back, and we're going to get your reaction to Rocky Mountain Oysters. Should we get uh, the phone lines going a little bit? Should we can do that, people? too. Uh, yeah, 317-239-1070. A couple open segments. Daniel Jeremiah is coming up at 2 o'clock, NFL Draft Analyst for the NFL Network. Thanks to Joey Molinaro for booking that. We appreciate it. I'm Brendan King with Joey and Jimmy Cook. We're back next. The sun is out and shining in downtown Indianapolis. February 20th, we inch closer towards March. Fan Midday Show, Joey Molinaro, Brendan King, Jimmy Cook here with you guys on your Monday afternoon. Hope it's been a great one so far. Uh, thanks to Don Fisher, voice of the Indiana Hoosiers. Scott Agnes from Fieldhouse Files. We just talked with him about all things All-Star break. What's to look ahead uh, for the Indy hosting a 2024 All-Star game? And then, of course, we've got Daniel Jeremiah, lead draft analyst from NFL Network, coming up at 2 o'clock. Don't want to miss that one. Tons of Colts draft talk. What are they going to do at 4? Going to straight up ask him what he would do so be there for that um brennan have you taken a look at the free agent list for the national football league here coming up that's going to be open in the next few weeks not nationally but it's my personal mission to get bobby okereke back in a Colts uniform okay why is that not that i disagree i, I just want i man the way that he filled in and really commanded that linebacker core and i realized the stats really went to zaire franklin yep he was making most of the tackles. Bobby Okereke, over the last few years, he's been my most impressive Colt, um, just from an effort standpoint. Now, JT is taking the headlines, as he should. Mm-hmm. Man, Bobby Okereke, he is a hell of a player. Chris Ballard can, if you know, if there's anything he can do, he gets to draft a linebacker. I mean, I think we've seen that from he can draft Shaq a Leonard. Or sign a linebacker. Sign a linebacker. Oh, yeah. Bobby Okereke, Zaire Franklin. Matthew know. Adams was a great special teams player yep. here. I Franklin mean, being a seventh rounder, right? I mean that's yeah. one that hits, um, and it has been a major uh, contributor for that for that roster for that defense. Right now, Kevin Bowen has ranking the Colts' 2023 free agents up at 107.5thefan.com. You can check that out. He lists them from green all the way to red. Green being the ones you got to bring back. Red being the ones that can take a walk, and yellow being the ones that maybe we have a conversation on. So you can go check that out. But I was doing a little uh, perusing, checking out some of the 2023 NFL free agents, and I guess I'll start. What do you think from the outside world, not within the roster that's currently as it exists, from the outside world, other teams in the market, where do you think that the Colts should be looking to add? Hmm. At what position? Yeah. Well, just from a departure standpoint, I mean, not sure if Kenny Moore is going to be back. Yep. Not sure if Stephon Gilmore is going to be back. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if those two are out, Joey, I mean, suddenly you're kind of going to have to address corner pretty yep. quickly. Especially, I mean, I was always an Isaiah Rogers supporter. The Brandon Faison story this past year was a little weird. I know Kevin got into that a lot 
on Kevin's Corner with Eddie Garrison about why Brandon Faison was playing so much. Could have been the Gus Bradley connection since they were together in Vegas. But, you know, when Isaiah Rogers really wasn't getting that plug, I think a lot of people around here were scratching their heads like, what the hell's going on? My group text certainly was. Yeah. Yeah. With my so, buddies, so. But, you know, if Kenny walks, if Gilmore's gone, you're pretty, you're pretty thin at corner all of a sudden, Joey. Yeah, and I'm looking at right now 2023 uh, cornerback free agents as we get ready to head into that open season. Uh, you got Marcus Peters currently with Baltimore. You got Bradley Roby, um, a guy that had a lot of success with Denver, um, who who played the last year with New Orleans. Both those guys are north of 30. James Bradbury uh, with the New York Giants should be a hot name. Jonathan Jones, Anthony Brown. Uh, one guy that I see here, Cameron Sutton, that I know very well. Been a Pittsburgh Steeler since 2017. You mentioned if there's a departure of somebody like Kenny Moore, um, and if there's a want for Chris Ballard to want to go out and find a guy like that, spend some money at the cornerback position, that could be an interesting fit there because Cameron Sutton's a guy who plays inside, Cameron Sutton's a guy who plays outside, could do a little bit of everything, um, and has been a really, really good player for the Pittsburgh Steelers defense since he came into the league as a rookie. Um, now, the kind of money that he's going to be demanding – Probably going to be near the same as Kenny Moore. So I don't know if you want to just do tit for tat there, let him walk and bring in somebody new. But those are just a few of the names. You know, you got older guys like Patrick Peterson out there, which I think he's, you know, kind of definitely on the. We were talking about golf earlier, the the traditional cliche, the back nine of his career, even though he's had a really good one. He's about, about to be 33. But it's, yeah, I mean, it's something that Chris Ballard, since he's been here, we all know the story. He is one that doesn't want to go out there on the first day of free agency, doesn't want to drop a big bag, but with how things have gone the past few years, does that change? Well, I don't know if he's going to get pressure from the owner because I always found it weird that you let go of Frank, but you didn't let go of Chris. Mm -hmm. I think Chris is a great guy. Mm -hmm. He's been very kind to the station, coming on shows, literally in person, answering every question. He was, I mean, Jimmy, he's been on this hour he's been on this time slot for for an hour pretty much every year yeah right so um no i think chris is a great guy i just wonder joey if i really hope shane steichen works out i really hope it does but it's also contingent on what you do at quarterback and that's where we're going to ask daniel jeremiah at two o'clock if shane steichen's colt's tenure starts cold we just saw in the last year how much of an effect the owner can have on the franchise with decision making you know, Chris Ballard, by all accounts, is on pretty thin ice when, where he is in this organization. So, depending on how things go, right off the bat, now I'm sure you would like to give it time if you have a young quarterback, but if things continue to go south, we see how much an effect that owner suite can have on the field. 317-239-1070. I've been waiting to say that for a long time. I've never given the number out on the Ever? Air and never have. Not even when you're doing Jersey Johnny? Nope. Nope, never have. 317-239-1070. Give us a call. Love to hear if you Keep have anybody it. in mind that you want to. I've heard it so many times, but yeah, if you yeah. have any anybody in mind that you think would be a good fit to go out there and spend some money on, or if Chris Ballard will decide to spend some money on. But I feel like wide receiver is another one that for his entire tenure, Chris Ballard, the question has always been, well, you know, you could do more in the wide receiver room. Why are we not going after some more of these top-end guys, you know, both in the draft and in free agency, right? I mean, you look at the free agent market coming up for this year, not a lot of hot names that I think you'd be one to say, hey, this is somebody that we just got to have that's really going to elevate, one, our rookie quarterback, be an awesome tool to use for our new coach. You got Nelson Aguilar, Sterling Shepard, DJ Chark, 
Randall Cobb. You know, there's just not a lot of those names that you're saying, oh, let's go absolutely day one, drop the bag on that guy. Now, you do have somebody who's already in-house who had a what you were hoping for when you drafted him type of year in Paris Campbell in 2022. He was healthy. He was good to go. And that's somebody that you're going to have to say, do we want to bring him back? Do we want to let him walk? You want Paris Campbell back in the, in the uh, for the boys in blue? What do you think? For the right price. It's got to be for the right price. And <laughs> I, got, I feel like I sound like a GM when it comes to that. But truly, I'm really glad that Paris Campbell finally had a healthy, regular season. Mm-hmm. I don't think anybody deserved it more than him about what he went through. Because, look, Joey, uh, I've never had a serious injury in my life. I don't know if you've ever had a serious injury in your life. But this guy has had multiple in the last few years. Mm-hmm. So... I can't even imagine what that takes a toll on you mentally. So good for him. If he's willing to take the right deal, I'm all for it. But what do we continue to see in the league? If the Colts and the AFC want to get where everybody wants them to go, yep. think about who they got to go through. Think about who they, it starts with Allen and Mahomes. You throw Herbert in there. I was, I'd say it starts with Mahomes and Burrow right now. And Burrow. All of them. And it would, and throw, but, throw all of the above in there, Joey. And again, to the argument with Cincinnati, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, right? I mean, these are two number one guys that they went out and got in the draft. They could have gone offensive line at number five. They kind of sacrificed. They they really did roll the dice. They did. But the point being is now look at the absolute nightmare that that offense is because you line up T. Higgins to your right, Jamar Chase to your left, and as long as the offensive line gives Joe Burrow a second and a half he's going to find those guys for a big play. And he's shown that in the last two seasons. But to your point with Paris Campbell, I feel like it's kind of the best of both worlds right now with the Colts. He's about to be 26. He's coming off his first really fully healthy year where he was productive, where he was somebody that you could kind of rely on, where you were seeing the productivity throughout the year. So maybe it's working where it's like, hey, he's getting into that second contract area. We can get him on the hometown discount cheap. And then his second contract where we signed him for three or four years, that's where he pops off. That's the best case scenario, right? Mm-hmm. But I feel like it's a pretty good spot for the Colts to be in right now where you're not going to have a lot of bidders coming in unless somebody says, hey, we see the speed that you have, the explosives that you have. We're going to take the risk and we're going to throw you however many, you know, $40 million. Hmm. It's going to be interesting to see. Phone lines are open, 317-239-1070. Tim's phone call can lead us off at 317-239-1070. Tim, go ahead. Hey, how you guys doing? Good, Tim. Hey, Tim. Hey, um, just real quick, and I, I don't know if I'm a fan of this, but I keep wondering if uh, uh, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, would it be worth grabbing one of them and using your draft picks to bring in a receiver or a tackle or somebody like that? Somebody that we thought was going to be awesome and didn't work out. Surely they still got something that they could prove. I don't know. So you're saying for the Colts go out and trade for Zach Wilson or Trey Lance, right? Because you mentioned the receiver line, so – that's exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Zach Wilson or Trey Lance. Some one of them that everybody thought was going to be awesome and it hasn't really panned out. And then uh and then you can go ahead and use your, your pick for top receiver, top tackle, whatever you need. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying, Tim, and thanks for the phone call. Again, I've been waiting to say that for a while. Um <laughs> I'm just having so much fun here, I really am. You realize uh, that uh, statement though just hung up on the guy, right? I'm just kidding. No, <laughs> I do. I know I yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and I do. And the ebbs and flows of sports radio. Power, right. <laughs> what what I'll say, I mean, <laughs> I get where you're coming from. Um, because you're saying, all right, this is a top end guy who maybe but the thing is that yeah, you say it's a top end guy, but then you immediately have to follow up with but it didn't work out where it started. 
Why are you wanting to use recycled second goods when you have the prime opportunity right here to get your own guy that you can fall in love with, that you can make your own instead of Trey Lance, who we don't really know what he is. He's coming off a major injury for a mobile quarterback. And then Zach Wilson, who we saw, especially in the second half, the latter half of that year, of last year, absolute dumpster fire. You know? And so for me, it's it's is that risk of taking a second chance on a guy just to be able to say, yeah, we're going to stack more picks. We're going to get the best player available. I, I, I see where you're going with it, but I just, I just can't agree. It would be something different going after a, a young quarterback, court recycled quarterback, sure. as opposed to a 37-year-old right. or a 30-year-old. It, it would be something different, but I don't know. I don't know how you sell that to the fan base, Joey. You, you, and you can't, like, a quarterback is not a position that you can shop on the on the on the cheap shop on for value no you you have to take i mean jimmy you're you're the perfect example you i'm sure it's been brought up a ton of times all the time patrick mahomes people how quickly people forget what patrick mahomes was regarded as looked at as in 2017 when he's coming out of the draft right yep got got a ton of arm strength but he's inaccurate that his decision making is questionable all these other traits on him but he's got a killer arm but his footwork needs work he's probably not going to work and they had Already in that same, it wasn't a retread. I don't want to say that about Alex Smith. He kind of was, but he was, yeah, he was still on an upswing in his career. They got everything they could out of him, and they took a chance. And that's what I've been saying and trying to draw those parallels to my fanhood, to what Colts fans need to want, which is that at some point, as a general manager, you have to believe in a guy and go out and get him, whether that's trading up or sitting at four. Either way, I have a ton of Colts fans. Uh, as friends that uh, you have as well, Joey, that are antsy. They're worried about the other teams that Brendan mentioned that could trade up and all of a sudden you're sitting at four and you're either taking Anthony Richardson, Will Levis, or you're trading back. So do whatever you can to go get the guy, but it's time for Bauer to take a swing in my mind. Exactly. Take a swing, you know, not shop on the cheap. It's all, all, all of these things. You can't do that at the quarterback spot in the NFL. It's been proven all along the AFC. Maybe a team that's at a different spot than the Colts can kick the tires on that and be like, okay, you know what? It's our first year you know, out of this completely hypothetical. It's our first year out of a heck of a run. Let's try and go young. Let's try and find something. Not the Colts who for the last five years have been playing, you know, hot potato with their quarterback. That's a completely different scenario. Yeah. Exactly. I so I just you know, people will say, Well, what about Lamar Jackson? Okay, but then you look at Joe Burrow, number one overall pick. Kansas City trades up to ten to get Patrick Mahomes. Buffalo takes their guy Josh Allen at number seven. How many of those teams in the 20, 2018 drafts Maybe I mean you could make the argument. I hate to get to make the argument, Eric, but the 2018 drafts. How many of those teams are kicking themselves for not drafting Josh Allen before number seven? Buffalo takes their chance. They takes the, they take their guy. They don't try to retread. They don't try to recycle uh, at the most premier, prominent position in sports. Yeah, you can't go for the cheap there. I'm with you, man. I, I'm with. But in this case, in this draft, three picks to me is a lot ahead of the Colts, knowing the quarterback room in this draft because those first two go when young and stroud go you're kind of looking at yourself in the mirror and saying okay this is this is like when you're playing ncaa 14 you ever play that game of course ncaa 14 you're you're recruiting you're down to your last days of recruiting you're trying to put together the class and that's all that's left is these ath players that have like question marks under their skills and you're like okay what 
Is Will Levis different than Anthony Richardson? How different is Anthony Richardson from Hendon Hooker? Where do these guys differentiate themselves? Because I think that's the magic question right now, guys. That's the GM that figures out the difference between Will Levis, Anthony Richardson, and throw in a third guy like Hooker or somebody else. That GM is going to have a job for a long time because I don't think Joey or, or no, they're not, no, not going to have a job for very long. That's right. That's no, the nobody in their right mind can differentiate these guys. I think Stroud and Young, you could see that with the naked eye. Uh, guys like us can see that. Yep. The GM that figures out the difference between those other three, more power to him. We talked about earlier, and we'll talk about it on the other side of this, the mock draft that came out today um, that had that certain Alabama fellow that's looking good to Jim say mocked to the Indianapolis Colts. We'll tell you what the projection is, what that would look like potentially for the Colts to go up and get their guy. That's next, the Fan Midday Show, 107.5 The Fan. Fan Midday Show, Brendan King, Joey Molinaro, and Jimmy Cook. Glad to have you with us around the horn. How's the little guy doing, by the way, Joey? Little guy's great. We went to a father-son lunch yesterday. It was really cool. Me and my dad and him were there. Three generations of Joe Molinaro. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, three too many for some, but uh, the, just just enough for us at our house. So, little man's doing well. He's watching at home with his mama. Um, so, yeah, thanks for asking. Is he okay? So, two two questions. Mm-hmm. Number one, is he automatically a Steelers, Purdue, Pacers fan, or are you kind of kind of kind of let him do his own thing? Man, you know. I've looked at it both ways because I've said, yeah, absolutely, it's going to be that way. Because I'm so into it, it's going to be hard not for him to just automatically grow up. I'm, sure like, I'm sure he'll adapt. Right. But at the same time, it's like, you know, I, I, I remember being a kid. You get into, you know, I had a Mike Vick red Falcons jersey, you mm. know, like I loved Eddie George, right? Like, you know, these different connections to players and teams. Uh, but then, you know, I fell back you know, right, right where I needed to be. So maybe that'll happen with him. Who knows? Yeah, like I'm certainly gonna push it on him though. Yeah, <laughs> as you should. Like, okay, so my dad's favorite show of all time was Seinfeld, show we both love, and go. that was always on in the house. So yep. I became a Seinfeld fan. My dad's all-time favorite movie is Back to the Future. It's my all-time favorite movie. Ooh, okay. So yeah, I, I feel like, you know, even if you don't sway him in that direction, I'm sure he would pick it up someday. You know that, what I'm saying? That, that's the hope. You don't, you know, you don't want to be overbearing dad with anything. I think Even actually, I'm sure that's easy to do. Yeah, but I think if anything, I would want to like fandom push him that way a little bit. I want to be overbearing dad, you know, standing with my hand through the fence at Edgewood Little League, you know, yelling at him <laughs> when he's going up and he's eight years old, you know, to bat off, off, off yeah. coach pitch, right? I don't want to be that dad, you know. Take but, the bat off the shoulder and swing. Exactly. Yeah. But if I could be like, hey, you know what? We're gonna watch the Steelers game. I don't want it. We're gonna watch the Steelers game. You know, I could do that. Okay, so that led me in my next question. What you just alluded to, sports. Yep. He's going to be a baseball player. He's going to be. I actually he, wanted to be a race car driver. Wow. Yeah. I have a, you got to get him. You got to get him right up I with know. Connor Daly. I have a long-term uh, dream and vision uh, of, of of having the the connections in the world there and uh, making Frankie Molinaro be a race car driver. So it's a hell of a name for the Indy 500. I agree. That'd be great. Yep. So I in you know 20, 20, 2048, 2050, kind of in that realm. Maybe if he's younger, we'll go, you know, 2046 20, 20, or so, something like that. So, yeah. But you know what? At the end of the day, you learn, fellas, as you have a kid, you just um, love what whatever they want to do and whoever they're going to be, right? That's some deep stuff for you here. That is hey. some deep stuff. <laughs> so I mentioned um, before we went to break that there is a mock draft out there the, this morning on February 20th, a Monday mock draft uh, that features the Colts making quite a big move. 
quite a big move. And would you like to know what that move is? Hit me. That would be this is from 3013.com on their mock draft 3.2. They have the Indianapolis Colts trading up from the fourth pick to the number one overall selection to take Bryce Young, the quarterback out of Alabama. Now, can you guess what? That was fairly obvious. Can you guess what they have them projected to be giving up to get that number one pick? Yeah, so this was something we talked about on this show. I think if that's actually going to work, they're going to have to give up some sort of player asset or assets. Okay. So who would that be? Hmm. Okay, so give, give me a little hint here. Is it is it five or more things going back to the Bears, or is it less than five? It is less than five. None of them are, but it's all picks. It's all picks? Yeah. See, I, I don't think that's going to work. So 33rd team has this projection going. Um, the Colts receive first overall pick, then draft Bryce Young. They send away to Chicago the fourth pick in the first round, the 35th pick in this year's second round, the 79th pick in this year's third round, and the Colts' first-round pick in 2024. So two ones, a two, and a three to go up three spots to take Bryce Young. If I'm the Bears, I don't know if I haggle that easy. I, I don't know if I give it up that easy. Because, again, you truly have the NFL world at the palm of your hand. Sure. Take advantage of it. Yeah. Ask for a couple players. Ask for pick compensation. Force their hand. There's no reason why they shouldn't force their hand here because the Bears already have their franchise quarterback. If the Bears miss, if the Bears, yeah, if the Bears miss out on Will Anderson, and you know, save this audio for when Will Anderson's a Hall of Famer, Jimmy. Yeah, yeah. But if the Bears miss out on Will Anderson and they still feel fine about their rebuild and they still feel fine about where they are, more power to them. Soak everything you can out of the team that you trade this pick for. Sure. Now. It, it, with with that allotment of picks that they would have them given up, who's the guy that they would say, yeah, okay, we're going to need uh, those four picks, two of them being first-rounders in Indianapolis, and also we need uh, this guy from your current roster. Who is that, and who would the Colts be willing to give up? Well, I mean, uh, there's probably a lot of ruffled feathers around here with the people that are not Quentin Nelson supporters, the people that are not Shaq Leonard supporters. Mm-hmm. I mean... I think the only untouchable probably would be have to be JT. Can't be. Uh, he's not. He's not untouchable for me anyway. You don't. He's not untouchable for. They're gonna have to pay him at some point, and you yeah. just don't pay running backs. I love JT. He's electric. The amount of money that he's probably gonna want because how good he is. Don't do that. Yep. Coming from Pacheco, who you drafted in the seventh round, who is the starting running back for Jimmy's Kansas City Chiefs. I, I think a lot of people around here would have a harder time giving up JT than Quentin Nelson. Oh yeah, no, 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 no doubt about that. I, I get why, but. Nelson, both can be true. Nelson's contract can also be bad. And the idea that you're going to have to one day pay Jonathan Taylor and being scared of that as a GM, assuming that's how Chris Ballard works, that's how most of the NFL works nowadays. Christian McCaffrey's the last big name to get mm-hmm. big money, mm-hmm. and he got dealt to the 49ers. Mm-hmm. Made a great impact there, fits that system really well, but look how easily Carolina wanted to get under, out from underneath that contract. I mean, what if Chicago says, hey, yeah, we'll take those four picks? And by the way, we just traded away Roquan Smith. Um, we we have faith. We are we trust our guys that Shaq Leonard's going to be healthy. You throwing that in? You doing? You making that deal? If it's Shaq Leonard a first and Shaq Leonard two first a second a third. Whew. 
Yeah, I do that too. <laughs> for, for someone who just acted like, you know, that was the great thing. You, you took that pretty quick, brother. Okay, that's good. I do. I, I'm, I'm a Bryce Young guy, Joey. And it's been, why, look, how many conversations have we had on this show, Jimmy Cook, uh, about what guy we like and what you have to give uh, this conversation is going to go till april and and we know that but i and i can't wait for every second of it i really can't <laughs> i love it I, I i think young is the most sure thing you got here yeah. i don't i don't care about height i think that conversation's pretty dumb i'm all for it yeah, somebody who knows uh, all about that and is a guy you can trust is uh, coming up next. Daniel Jeremiah, lead draft analyst on the NFL Network. He's going to be joining us to talk about all these scenarios, what the Colts should do, who they should go after, who they shouldn't go after. That's coming up next on The Fan. Ah, the classic battle soundtrack from NFL Films, the tune that just makes you want to lock yourself in a dark room and crunch nothing but college football film of players from Louisiana Tech and southeastern texas state and all the above and i know a guy who uh is doing that and has been doing that for for a long time here uh joey molinero brendan king jimmy cook with you fan midday show thanks for being with us and that's daniel jeremiah lead draft analyst uh for nfl network you see him every year he sits in the booth with rich eisen at the uh nfl combine he knows the ins outs watches film when the super bowl is going on i mean this is the guy you want to hear from dj what's up man how are you I'm doing great, man. That's a good way to describe it. Um, I want to say yesterday it was, hey, do you want to go out to dinner you know, with your family mm-hmm. and have a nice relaxing time? Or would you rather stay in and watch Mark Evans II, the Arkansas Pine Bluff guard? And uh, and lo and behold, me and me and uh, Mr. Evans spent an evening together. <laughs> there you go. That sounds uh, that sounds lovely. It sounds like uh, like I said, when you hear that tune, that's just exactly what makes you want to do. Um, all right, DJ, we got uh, quite the predicament. We got a whole situation here in Indianapolis. Okay. Um, we got uh, the Indianapolis Colts are facing the fourth overall pick here. They need a cornerback. They got all these guys: Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, Will Levis. I just want to. I just. I'm going to start it off right away. If the general manager's name of the Indianapolis Colts wasn't Chris Ballard and was Daniel Jeremiah, who are you liking and why? Uh, for me, it's Bryce Young, especially in that in that scenario. There, I think he fits in that division. I think he can fit in well with that team. I think he'll fit in well in that new offense that that Shane's going to bring in there. Um, you know, like I, I scouted in, in for teams in the AFC North when you're thinking about. You know, if you're in if you're in uh, Baltimore, Cleveland, Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. Cincinnati, I think you probably want a bigger, more physical guy, just because of everything, right? You get more of a rugged style of play. You also have the weather you're going to be dealing with, uh, all that stuff. We wanted bigger guys. I, I think when you're playing inside and you're playing in a division uh, where you're going to be playing some friendly weather games every year, I mean, that's you, you know exactly what you're getting for a good number of those games, and I think Bryce Young will hold up just fine. Hey, Daniel, it's Brendan. I'm a Bryce Young supporter, too, trying to lead that charge here in Indy. But when it comes to what folks have been talking about, especially over the last month, a lot of people talk about his height. That really doesn't concern me. Is that a concern to you, or is it more so just kind of a lazy sports media take, people trying to paint pictures? Well, I, look, in a perfect world, you'd want everybody to be Trevor Lawrence, you know, and Justin Herbert and Tom Brady and, and Peyton Manning. But, like, that's just – you don't get all those things. You're going to have to give somewhere 
with Bryce, the height doesn't bother me at all. The weight's going to be everything. You know, talking to where the guys where he was training last week, he was 192 uh, as of last week. I think, you know, he'll probably have a chance to get up a little bit closer to 200, which will, will make you feel better. I mean, I know there was people out there expecting he was going to be 182 pounds or something like that's not the case. You know, he'll be he'll be closer to 200 if not at 200. Um, but that that's more of an issue to me. It's just the durability. I think. I looked it up the other day. I mean, there's obviously more to your size limiting you than batted passes, but I think he only had two or three balls that were batted down. He understands. He's been short his whole life. He understands how to find windows. He moves around really, really well in the pocket. Um, and I think with his, you know, he's athletic enough where you can move the launch point with him too. So, uh, no, I, I don't think the height bothers me so much. It's just I worry about, you know, physically holding up. There was, there was a period last year gosh, for maybe five weeks or so. I have to go back and look at my notes where he was unable to practice because of his shoulder. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you love him, if you love him, you're like, dude, this is a tough dude. He didn't practice all week. He still posted up on Saturdays and played really well. If you don't like him, you go, man, this guy couldn't even practice in college. How in the world is this guy going to hold up and be able to, you know, to stay whole on an NFL field? So um, it's, it's not an easy one. Daniel Jeremiah from the NFL Network, lead draft analyst. Uh, they're going to be seeing a whole lot of them combine in town next week. And then, uh, of course, um, all the NFL draft coverage coming up, uh, leading us into April. Uh, now, I, I want to move to the other guys. Will Levis, CJ Stroud, yeah. two very popular names that have also been mocked to Indianapolis at number four or even higher at some points. With CJ Stroud, what do you see from him? What is his strongest uh, component of his game that would make Colts fans say, this is very good. What's something that you say, uh, this is not very good? Well, I think he's a natural thrower. So he's just got – he throws a beautiful ball. He's got a great motion. Um, he can make every type of throw. You know, I thought his arm got physically stronger this year. Um, I thought when I watched him the year before, you know, he can always get the ball up and over the top, throw a nice deep ball. Mm -hmm. But there's a difference between that and being able to really power the ball into tight windows. And that was a little, you know, I thought it was average when I watched him uh, last year. This year, I thought he's incorporating his lower body more. He drove the ball better. So the throwing is, is excellent. You feel really good about that. The, the concern with him is he's not real sudden or urgent in his movement. And he wasn't really much of a playmaker in terms of making things happen under pressure. Um, and then, of course, we all get to the playoff game and see him, you know, play like I've never seen him play before in my life, where he was making all kinds of plays off schedule and shows you that he can do it. And there's an old adage in scouting. If they can do it once, uh, they can do it. So, you know, it's in there uh, it was just a little bit frustrating. You didn't see more of that uh, throughout his career. So that would be a little bit of the concern there. Um, but man, as a thrower, really, really natural. And then uh, with Levis. You know, this year was tough. You know, it's well documented. He had the injuries. He had the toe. He had a shoulder. I thought, you know, those things I can explain away some of the inaccuracies and, and maybe trying to do a little too much, which led to some of the turnovers. The thing that bothers me about him from a weakness standpoint is just kind of pocket awareness. Um, he, he just get hit. He gets takes shots where he does not see it coming, doesn't feel it. Um, you know, you can watch Bryce Young and his eyes will be trained to the right and he can just sense and feel pressure on the backside. He can climb up and get away from it. Will Levis just takes one right in the numbers and uh, it led to a lot of turnovers. Is that something that can be fixed or, or worked on or is that just I, I had another you know there's two guys that i talked to you know um that do what you do one being you and another one who, who i won't name but he told me he said hey he's just not a very instinctive player like you mentioned talking about will levis is that something that can be trained upon to 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 work better in the nfl once you get there or is that just a really really kind of a red flag coming out 
that's a tough one. You know, that's that's one that's hard um, to overcome. That I think that's more of an instinctive thing. It's more of a feel thing uh, with that with that pocket awareness. And I think that's where it differs a little bit with him and and Josh Allen. You know, Josh Allen played on a terrible team at Wyoming, and Josh Allen was kind of running around like crazy trying to make all these plays. Um, I mean, he got he got hit a bunch, but he could feel it coming, and he would try his best to get away from it. I just think Will Levis, it's like a surprise party sometimes uh, when the pass rush shows up. So that that is uh, that is something that traditionally is a little more difficult to overcome. Daniel, when it comes to the Colts, I think a lot of folks around here would be happy with one of Young and Stroud, and how could you not be? But what Joey and I were talking about earlier is you know, think of the four, five, six teams behind the Colts that would also love to have them. So can the Colts get one of those two at four? Are they going to have to do some work to try and move up? I, you know, to me, when you're in their predicament and where they've been um, and just doing the veteran thing over and over and over again, if you if you really feel like there's, you know, one that you love, I think you get aggressive. You're this close. Go up there and try and get that one that you love. Um, and even if there's one that you feel like there's another one and then there's a drop-off, to me, you're all the way up there this year. And, you know, throw, throw away everybody's going to say, oh, you know, next year we've got Caleb Williams and we've got Drake. Yeah, you have no chance of knowing where you're going to be in next year. So many things can happen. You might be picking 16, um, and you're not going to have enough ammunition to get from 16 to get up and get one of those top guys. You're right there. You're right on the doorstep. You need to take a plunge. You need to get one of these rookie quarterbacks and, and take a shot on them. So, in my opinion, I think this is set up for them to be as aggressive as they need to be to make sure they get one of those two guys. I would be a little nervous sitting there waiting at four to see who fell to me. That's Daniel Jeremiah with us on the fan. Uh, Daniel, one guy that we haven't mentioned yet, but is also being mocked in the anywhere from four, anywhere from uh, 10 to 20 to the second round. That's Anthony Richardson out of Florida. What what have you seen from him? Obviously, he's, he's kind of a physical freak. You know, a lot of people saying the most yeah. gifted uh, physically quarterback coming out. But if you're the Colts and you're sitting there at four, and if on draft night they were to take Anthony Richardson at number four, would you feel good about that moving forward? Or what, what would need to really, really happen to develop him to make it to where, okay, this guy isn't just uh, relying on his physical traits. This guy is what we hope to turn into kind of like a Patrick Mahomes type. Well, I think you just, you're committing to a certain style of play um, in the short term. You know, one of the things that if you look at the quarterbacks uh, over the last few years, if you just put, put them in a different pile, right? You've got, you've got uh, Trevor Lawrence, you've got Joe Burrow, and I would even say Herbert, just from the standpoint of you kind of knew what you were you, what you were buying there. Those guys were kind of finished products. Everybody else is going to need some development and going to need some time. And when you have unbelievable athleticism where you can make plays with your legs, you buy yourself time before you're developed enough as a passer to be where you want to be. Like J- Jalen Hurts is the perfect example of somebody who went out there and had a lot of growth that needed to take place as a passer, but they were able to compete and win games with him, you know, using his legs as he continued to grow and develop. Whereas you look at, uh, you know, Zach Wilson with the Jets, he didn't have, he doesn't have the legs like that to be able to buy time that he needs to develop as a passer. So 
Long way of saying, you take Anthony Richardson, you are committing that you are just going to run the heck out of the ball uh, early in his career because he is so far away in terms of his development as a passer. You'll see the flashes. I mean, it's he has got a ridiculous arm. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, you, you'll see some awful misses. Like, he just needs, he needs to get a lot of reps and throw a lot of balls before he gets comfortable in the passing game. But in the meantime, with Jonathan Taylor and him, I mean, you'll, you'll lead the league in rushing. I can promise you that. <laughs> Daniel, is there a quarterback that nobody is talking about? Is there a guy that's going to jump off the board and people are going to fall in love with, or is this the group? Well, I think Hinton Hooker is still interesting. Um, you know, I don't know how much talk there is about him out there, you know, in the media. I've kind of been in the cave just watching all these guys. Right. <laughs> Arkansas Pine Bluff. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. When I, when I watched him, when I watched him, I was like, you know what? Gosh, if he's. You know, it's the ifs. If he's 21 years old and he's doesn't not coming off of a knee injury, I think he's a first round pick because the tape's pretty good. I mean, he is accurate. He makes good decisions. It's that kind of Baylor offense, that old school Baylor offense, which is very tough to evaluate because they spread you from sea to shining sea. It's not, it's not really relevant in terms of how it translates to the next level. But he can make every kind of throw. He's got poise. He's got some moxie to him. Um, he can make plays with his legs if he needs to. He's a good player, and I, I think he's still going to go in the second round, um, even with the age and the injury. I think somebody's going to end up taking him. I think he's going to end up being a starter. So um, I think he, I think it's him kind of with those top four guys. I think if you just watched him off tape, you'd take him over some of those guys. So he'd be in that mix for me. Lead draft analyst at NFL Network, Daniel Jeremiah, with us. So now there's been a lot of folks that have made comments, a lot of fans around here that have seen that, hey, you know, why don't we do that? Why don't the Colts, um, you know, take the best player available at number four and then kind of hope for uh, a Hendon Hooker in the second round, right? So we don't necessarily have that huge risk that comes with having a quarterback in the top five. You already kind of said, though, you're already this close. Go and get your guy. Do you think any of that? talk makes sense for them to kind of play the waiting game on Hendon Hooker or are you full in like you said let's 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 just make it happen and get get the guy where we where we need to I think if you're a different organization I would make that case um I, I just think with where they are and as long as the Colts have been trying to juggle the veteran quarterback yeah. I think that they're almost pot committed where they are right now to to getting a guy and I don't think you want to, you know, if I, I can't say that one side of my mouth, I wouldn't be comfortable waiting at four. I sure as heck would be nervous if I was hoping that Hennon Hooker was going to be there when I pick next. That would be, uh, you know, that there's just too much, there's too much of a chance involved there. And you really don't want to stay on this hamster wheel of just bringing in another old veteran and trying to squeeze another year or two out of him. Right. Daniel, I'm originally a Chicago guy, and I still listen to Chicago sports radio just about every day, which is kind of funny to, to listen to sometimes just for how crazy it gets. Mm-hmm. Uh, would the Bears benefit better, in your mind, of using that number one to grab a young defensive stud, or would they benefit more from trading that number one pick? Well, this is a, it's an interesting question. I know that's kind of like the number one debate right now uh, as it pertains to the draft. I, I would just go this way. If in that building you're convinced that Justin Fields is going to continue to work um, and he's, he's proven that he has the, the desire to put in the work it's gonna, he's going to need to put in to continue getting better and developing in the passing game, I would stay on that course. Um, you know, that's one thing on the outside. You just don't know. I don't know what that, you know, what that is. They, they have that information that we don't. If that was the case, it's easy for me to say that. As much as I love Bryce Young, 
for all the reasons I think he makes sense for Indy. You know, playing in Chicago, I don't think that's a great fit for him. I don't think that's a great match. So if that's the, you know, for me, the clear-cut number one quarterback, and I don't think he's a great fit there, um, I, I'm just continuing to build pieces together. And you can, you know, let, let's give Justin more time to continue to grow and develop. I don't, I, I don't see, uh, I don't see a reason why to punt on him at that point in time. So we talked about all the quarterbacks, you know, all the, all the big time ones, all the names you're going to hear throughout the next couple of months. Um, but if you're if you're a Colts fan, if you're living in Indy, if you're a Colts fan in general. Should should a Colts fan sleep well at night knowing that with Shane Steichen as your head coach, really a case could be made for any of the guys to be drafted? And because of his record, uh, Shane Steichen's record with working with different quarterbacks, that it's looking like they'd probably turn out to be fairly successful. I love Shane. You know, I was, uh, you know, I do the Charger games. And uh, yep. so I got to know him pretty well as the Chargers coordinator. And he is. He is really good at designing an offense around the skills of the people that you have. And I, I always am a fan of guys um, that can morph what they do. You know, I know there's, you know, there's that, oh, you know, you've got the Shanahan offense, you've got this offense, you've got that offense. Like, you know what? The offense should change and shift and mold around the people that you have in the building. And he's done a great job of showing that flexibility, playing with different types of quarterbacks, different types of skill. Um, and, and making it work. And I think he's got a really good demeanor um, and disposition. There's some quarter, there's some coaches um, when you're around them, you know, just they're, you know, they're, they're kind of on edge and jittery and that makes young players uncomfortable. Um, and I don't think that's necessarily a good thing. Mm-hmm. He's a common, he has a real calming influence on, uh, on young players. And I think that'll be a, it'll be a good cocoon for whatever young quarterback they put in there. Daniel, what you just brought up about Shane Steichen kind of working on both sides of the rainbow is what Joey and I were talking about. Of from Philip Rivers to Jalen Hurts, he made those offensive work <laughs> offenses work. How impressive is that as a play caller and an offensive builder that you can experience both of those sides of football and win in both? Yeah, there's nothing worse than and I've been around some guys like this where you know this guy just doesn't fit. You know, he doesn't fit what we do. Well, this is what we have, okay? This isn't college. We don't get to go out and sign 25 to 30 of these guys to come in exactly the way you like them. This is what we already have on campus, um, and we've got to find a way to make this work. So he's shown he's shown the ability to do that. He doesn't complain. Um, he's a positive He's a positive guy. And I think there are a lot of good building pieces uh, to work with there in Indy. So I think it's a, I think it's a really good fit. Um, it's going to come down to whether or not they can land the right quarterback and get the right fit. But as you mentioned, I think Shane will do a good job of getting the most out of whoever they bring in there. Daniel Jeremiah from NFL Network uh, joining us. Daniel, uh, I want to hop off the quarterbacks real quick because there's a handful of tight ends that have uh, Indiana ties that are uh, going to be uh, heading to the NFL draft. Uh, One is getting a lot of first-round grades. It's Michael Mayer out of Notre Dame. Uh, But I want to talk about my guy Payne Durham out of Purdue. I saw you put a clip on your Instagram uh, a few days ago. He he really crushed it at the Senior Bowl a few weeks ago. Um, What do you like about him? What do you think uh, he would bring to an NFL NFL offense uh, with his skill set. Uh, he's a good player. I, I think the, the fun thing is seeing all the different places that you can line him up. Um, you know, you go to the Senior Bowl and you see him playing on you know some fullback in the backfield. He can play on the wing. Um, you can flex him out. He's got really really strong hands. You know, in scouting we use the phrase combat catches. 
Um, he can go make plays in crowds. And that's really kind of, you know, talk about Mayer. That's his strength as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, uh, you know, he gives you some some yak ability as well. He's physical. There's a play where I think I, that was probably the one I posted where he's just carrying dudes, yeah. you know, like about 15 yards down the field. So um, you love that physicality about him. And, uh, you know, I think in a loaded tight end draft, this is the kind of guy, like, you might get him in the, you know, early third round. Um, which is going to be just an absolute steal just because of the sheer depth of the position this year. Right. Daniel, when it comes to running backs, Bijan Robinson still looked at as the number one jewel when it comes to the running back position? Yeah, it's him and then everybody else. I mean, I, <laughs> I, I think it's a really good it's a really good depth draft of running backs. I think like that third, fourth, fifth round is like the sweet spot. There's a ton of them. There's like 10 guys um, that I think you'll see kind of go in those middle rounds. But to me, it's him at the very top, and then you've got a pretty sizable gap. You've got Jameer Gibbs from Alabama, who's kind of an all-around uh, back, can really catch it. But uh, that's, a, that's a pretty good gap. Daniel Jeremiah from the NFL Network with us. Uh, Daniel, you're coming up uh, the Combine and Indy next week. Um, so you'll be here. You'll be nice and cozy and comfy. Um, it's actually fairly fairly nice, man. I mean, for late February in Indianapolis, it's like a 52, a little cloudy, a little okay. sun poking through. Um, so I think it'll be all right come next week. Yeah, we actually have here. sunshine over the last week, which yeah. is good. Man. So, so, so it, it won't be too bad, even though you'll be nice and cozy uh, in the suite there with Rich Eisen um, you know, broadcasting <laughs> the Combine all day. Uh, what are looking at? I always love these. You mentioned combat catches. You know what scouts talk about these phrases, yeah. right? What um, what do you got lined up there on the prep sheet for when these quarterbacks come out and start slinging it? What are the phrases we're going to hear from from you and Kurt Warner or whoever's going to be covering yeah. the quarterbacks out there on NFL Network next week? Well, you always you always want to avoid the worm burners. You know those are uh, those are not good throws. So you don't <laughs> want to be killing any worms out there. Throwing so that, in the dirt. That's right, the yeah. one. Yeah, that's the phrase you're trying to avoid is the worm burners. Um, gosh, uh, other quarterback phrases. You know, I was it was funny. I was doing a guy the other night. I actually called the Zerline because he's the only like you know he's the only person on the media side that just geeks out on the nerdy little uh, phrases and descriptions. Yeah. And I was I was watching a uh, I was watching an offensive lineman. And I said, have you seen this guy move? And he goes, yeah, yeah, what about him? All, Dude, he moves like he's lives in a, in a house with creaky floors and he's trying not to wake up a sleeping baby. Like he is just <laughs> just like, dude, go. Like, stop tiptoeing around. Like, what are you doing? Uh, and it was like he knew exactly what I was talking about. Sure. Yeah. Okay, so Anthony Richardson gets out there. Or, or uh, let's Actually, let's go Bryce Young. You said Bryce Young, good fit for the Colts. You know, and he yeah. he's slinging it. Uh, he's doing the out routes. He's doing the go balls. Uh, is there any is there any phrase that comes to mind that that we're going to hear? Well, I, you know, everybody's looking for comps. You know, and everybody's been uh, you know doing the cross sport thing with him. So you've seen the Steph Curry comp that you know I've heard from some personnel guys. Obviously, have been out there in the media as well. One. Yeah, yeah. So for me, my comp on Bryce was Aaron Rodgers. If you left him in the dryer too long. <laughs> i need to hear that next week i need that needs to be dropped okay. out there i think it'll go nice on uh, online i think rich eisen will get a kick out of that one for sure yeah it, i think that you know, knowing rich that's just a courtesy laugh you'll get um and uh but but the other one see like this is the kind of stuff that i'll do that i always try i'm just trying to make rich laugh that's all i'm trying to do and yeah. then like people will be like you know that the 90 percent of your audience doesn't get this i'm like i don't really don't care i'm just trying to see if i can get rich to, to chuckle a little bit yeah you got a one-man so, audience in there yeah for sure yes so you know like a vintage a relative uh you know up-to-date comp if we're going to cross sport comp 
And everybody's, oh, you know, Bryce Young, Steph Curry, that's easy. I mean, let's go Stetson Bennett, Bob Cousy, and let's have a real conversation here. Wow. Do you ever, uh, Daniel, do you ever think about you or Eisen who would run a faster 40? Has that ever been done Come before? On. It's got to be DJ. Come on. He's he, he, quarterback on. in college. I'm just kidding. Oh, okay. I, was, just, I, was, I mean, I, mean I, I'm I, just kidding. I, I have popped in Achilles <laughs> playing hoops uh, about eight years ago. Um, so I, I, I left pickup hoops uh, behind, and I, I think probably running a 40 would not be in my best interest, but that would be a win. <laughs> is, is there something to the technique of you know, when they're doing the, the go balls, the quarterbacks, you know, with the timing of when you let out a it's a good ball? You and Rich at the same time, kind of, kind of golfing. It, 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 it is a golf broadcast. It is like a football golf mashup. Is it when um, it's like you're trying to be respectful of all the all the different? You're in our booth, like the Colts are right next to us on yeah. one side. We have got another team on the other side, and it's like they're doing their job. They're they're working. Right, they're eating quite a bit, I would add, but they are working. And uh, and you just feel like a boob if you're screaming. You is know? it like at the apex of the throw when you decide to let out that, or is it kind of when it's coming down? You see, it's going to be completion. I'm just very curious. Um, well, you just you're just like, gosh, how many times have I said he dropped it in the bucket? Man, that's sick. <laughs> okay, I probably got a couple. Uh, it's Daniel Jeremiah, lead draft analyst on NFL Network, um, dropping some knowledge on us about uh, the Colts' upcoming draft. What to do with number four? He's going to be in Indy next week. Uh, calling the combine as we were just talking about. Daniel, thanks for the time, man. Really appreciate it. Great catching up, and uh, let's get coffee next week or something. Okay. Yeah, but one one quick thing, Joe, before I go. Yep. Um, feelings are hurt a little bit because I thought we had a monogamous uh, scouting relationship. And then you came out and said that there's two guys. You don't even tell me who the other guy is. I mean, this is <laughs> well, because I use a quote from him. Hurtful. I'll text you okay. and we can break it down. We'll, you know, I'll figure okay. it out, but you're the only one to get coffee with DJ. <laughs> okay. Thanks. All right. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks, See you, buddy. That's Daniel Jeremiah. Um, you're going to be hearing his voice, seeing his face quite a lot over the next couple of months. And uh, he was pretty steadfast in agreement with both Brendan and I. Bryce Young, um, he likes him a lot. I'm cool with it. A good fit in Indianapolis, and that's not just two, uh, you know, broadcast major schmucks here. That is the guy who breaks down film of Arkansas Pine Bluff instead of going on dates with his wife. So take his word for it. All right, uh, we'll wrap up the show when we come back. We've had Don Fisher, Scott Agnes. Like I said, you just heard Daniel Jeremiah. If you want to give us a call, three one seven two three nine ten seventy two three nine one zero seven zero. It's a fan midday show. Thanks to Don Fisher, Scott Agnes, and Daniel Jeremiah. Nice work, Joey Molinaro, on booking that. Oh, that was fun. Man. Love DJ. He's the absolute best. Did you meet him at the Senior Bowl somewhere else? Um, we started interacting online a few years ago, and he's just kind of like, I don't know, he's just um, kind of been like a little bit of a mentor. And, uh, you know, I've always been a fan of his work, even before he knew who the heck I was, um, because, you know, you hear him and me being a draft nerd i trust and he has a crazy track record like if you ever look at a mock if you want to look at mock drafts and you're gonna look at plenty of them over the next handful of months be sure that when daniel jeremiah drops one that's the one you go to because i think out of all the mock drafts that the nfl network does he has the the most successful hit rate Mm. he's the most accurate in the first round so he's going to the hall of fame He's hitting, yeah, he's hitting he's, 600. He's a yeah. Hall of Fame yeah. mocker right there. Uh, but no, he's awesome. Yeah. Um, that'll be up to the podcast, right, Jimmy? Or are we doing that? Yeah. Filling We're still fan doing Fan Midday Show. Fan Midday Show uh, podcast. All insights from him on Bryce Young, all the quarterbacks that the Colts have been tied to, looked at, um, and, and his thoughts generally on the direction of where uh, this franchise is going. Um, but, you know, I think 
to to Daniel's point and looking at Shane Steichen and a lot of folks like I've talked about so far already today where I've seen on Twitter I've seen online I've seen on YouTube where people aren't really thrilled with any of the quarterback options and to that I'd say look at where Shane Steichen's come from who he was working with Jalen Hurts the second round pick that every team in the league passed on at least once mm-hmm. And people, people in Philly weren't thrilled about it. They weren't thrilled about it. Everybody was kind of scratching their head. Really? That guy's kind of a project coming out of college. You got Carson Wentz, you're going to take him? Eh, I don't know. To Daniel's point, and to what we've been talking about, Shane Steichen has the ability to say, what's in the building that I like? We're going to use what they're good at, put that around them, get the most out of my guys. And you know whether that's Bryce Young, you're upset because his, he's not – tall enough to where you like it or that he played at Alabama so you think he just played with all five-star recruits and he's just throwing to superstars hasn't been the case the last two years for him the fact of the matter is you're sitting pretty with a guy who has proven um, just <laughs> a few weeks ago leading an offense with a quarterback that not a lot of people want to come out of the drafts um, to the Super Bowl in his third year you know with the quarterback carousel that has taken place over the last five or six years here uh, <laughs> Colts fans should be pretty happy if they get one of Younger Stroud I'd be pretty happy yeah I'd be like you said if they draft an Anthony Richardson at four there's going to be the people that are like oh man look at his mixtape like he's guy's a stud cannon arm I'd be a little concerned I, I'd be a little bit concerned I would too but to the point that we were just talking about what DJ was saying if if there's a player that's going to be comped the most similar to what yeah. Philadelphia just had the season that they had with the success they had with, it'd probably be Anthony Richardson. Now, is that a guarantee that he's going to end up being like, heck no, it's not. But the point being is that if that were to be the case, that number four, Anthony Richardson's name is called to the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, from an outside perspective here, I'm sitting there, I'm saying, yeah, there's some risk there. There's quite a bit of risk. But if he's going to be in a spot that you would think that he would be able to have the most success eventually. I think pairing him up with a guy like Shane Steichen Mm -hmm. is the case. Now, not my first choice. I'm a Bryce Young guy just like you are, just like Daniel Jeremiah was talking about. I think that he would be a heck of a face of the franchise here in Indianapolis. But I'm just saying, Anthony Richardson, I'm telling you there's a chance. (laughs) (laughs) It'd be exciting. Pair him with the Jonathan Taylor. And like Daniel Jeremiah said, you're running the hell out of the ball. Yeah. Running the hell out of it. You have an identity. You do. Which what? maybe Colts teams the last two years have not. Especially not last year. Especially not this past year. Right. And the injuries with Jonathan Taylor and the being, you know, banged up offensive line and things like that. The holes there that need to be hopefully filled in with either the free agency or the draft. Get it. Or the, the continued progression of, you know, Bernard Ryman at left tackle. Um but I just I know that there's 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 multiple uh, I don't know this definitely isn't the right analogy, you know multiple ways to skin a cat that people say right. There's multiple ways to win with offense in the NFL as long as you have an identity, as long as you have a play caller and a coach that matches up well with the personnel that you have, and that's been proven. You know, to be honest, when Ursay said that we like the Alabama kid. I thought that was a scene straight out of your Ballard and Ursay <laughs> video. That, that was such a comment that was coming from that video. We like the Alabama guy. And I, I threw that in my group chat with my with my buddies, you know, because I'm sure like a lot of you folks out there, a lot of you guys, you know, and you have um, that group chat and with all these diehard Colts fans. And I threw it out to him. I was like, do you think there's any chance 
that that was a play, a smoke screen to get the other people, you know, the, the, the other feathers rustled. Do you think the photo of Jim Mersey as a kid on the back of a bear <laughs> no, that saying, was that he unbelievable. Has, saying that he has a relationship with the Chicago Bears since 1960, is this all some sort of master marketing ploy by Jim Mersey to have somebody say, oh, Indianapolis is going to, we got to go, we got to get, we got to get Bryce Young all for, kind of similar to what we saw from San Francisco a few years ago. We speculated last week. Is he playing chess? He's play- has he has he been playing possum <laughs> with us all these years? And Jim Irsay is ready to pull a rabbit out of the hat. I'm ready for it. I'm, I'm, ready, for it. I'm ready for it too. I say Jim Irsay, go throw out the first pitch at Wrigley Field <laughs> in a Chicago Cubs jersey on opening day. Only eat deep dish pizza. Send out a tweet. Oh, I loving this he's, Giordano's. He's putting the last dance on loving TV. Loving this Lou yeah. That's the best. Am I pronounced? Oh, Malnati? Lou Malnati. Yeah, yeah, that's the best. Though. I haven't had it, but I mean, <laughs> let's full on. You never. No. Oh, so good. Grab okay. Some. I'll I, tell you what, we're today. going. Taking you to Wrigley. We're stopping Sounds by Lou's. Sounds great. Well, they just opened up. We could do a closer venue. Yeah, but it, the, like Not the, the thing, same. Well, it's the same recipe, but in Chicago, you get the ovens that were from the 50s and 60s. It's got flavor built in it. Oh, the old the you know old grease. The yeah, old uh, the old grease. Meet the Fockers where he hasn't uh he hasn't uh, washed <laughs> his dish for 40 years or whatever. It's all yeah. the flavor built up in there. But Very that, good. that's truly what it is. Okay. Yeah, they just that one up on uh, Broad Ripple right on yeah. the Monon. You ever had Portillos? Oh yeah. You've had Portillos. Oh yeah. Good. Love Portillos. Give me give me I'm some I'm just making uh, sure Italian you get the beef. full experience. Yeah, with all the peppers. Oh, yeah, man. But yeah, no, G- yeah, Jim's got a have the Portillos and Lumel Nadi's box and then put the last dance on TV and just go full Chicago. Last dance, you know. Full Chicago. Hey, this is my favorite SNL sketch. What if Jim Mersey came out dressed as one of the, the Bears guys? <laughs> Had the sweater. He's doing, hey, I love this. This is one of my favorite sketches. I saw Peyton do it on Peyton's Places a couple years ago. You know, this is gr- I always wanted to wear this sweater. It's great. You know? <laughs> I say full on. Let's do it. Ursay's taking a selfie in the in the sky box over at uh uh is it was Willis Tower where that's at? Willis Tower, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Sears Tower. Hey, Sears, Tower. thank you. Yeah. Um he just it do, actually, doing everything in Chicago. Yeah, it turns out that Jim actually just bought the Arlington Heights property. instead <laughs> it was Jim's money that bought Ar- Arlington Heights. Right. Which is gonna be wild, by the way. The Arlington Heights Bears. Is going to be madness. That's truly happening. It right? is going to happen. Like they, they, the the deal has been signed. The, the, they the just bought the land. property is happening. Yeah, they just bought it this week or last week. Wow, it's I mean, happening. I can't like the rendition of what they put out there looks pretty sweet. My favorite thing about the rendition was <laughs> they painted the Chicago skyline where you can just see it. She'd be like, "Oh yeah, it's close to the city. Sure. It's a forty-five minute drive." Right. Yeah. It's like, "Oh yeah, it's close." Hey, have you not seen that photo of uh, the Indiana Beach up there in northern Indiana yeah, where you can look across in the summer yeah, and you can right. see the Chicago skyline? That's basically the same thing. Like 500 miles, not 500 miles, I don't know, 200 miles away, whatever yeah. it is. But across Lake Michigan, you can see it and the sunset. Yeah. I, I, you know, we're so, this isn't breaking news, but we're so lucky in the city that we live in, the city that we do this show from. And, and I mean, truly, like, you have to go to other places like that. You have to go to a Miami while, yeah, it's awesome weather, but it's like, hey, to get to uh, the, the Dolphin Stadium, Hard Rock Stadium, I got to take a hike. Well, it would be Indy to Bloomington to get there. Yeah. Or San Francisco. It's, it's not oh, even close. Oh, gosh. Same thing. Not you even know, close. Now Chicago's going to do that, right? Um, but just everything right here, it's, it's truly, truly unbelievable. Well, I think that's why people love the draft combine here. It's a hop, skip, and a jump. Yeah, for sure. Steakhouses everywhere. You can hop to bars easily. Go over to the stadium, convention center, all right there. Don't forget oh, too cold. What's your uh, St. Elmo's order? 
I mean, I'm pretty easy. What are you man. getting? Just give me a fillet. You get the fillet. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll How do you get a cook? shrimp cocktail. Uh, medium well. Medium well. Yep. So just a little medium. pink. A little bit of pink. Okay. A little bit of juice. A little bit of pink. Um, yeah. But uh, then get bottle of Camus or so. There you go. Usually, if I'm with Marco Andretti, and then I'll do that. But yeah. Are you uh, you going to be bringing back the uh, the donuts with drivers? I don't sure? know. I, I've yet to decide what my month of May content plan is going to be. I know I'll be out there. Hopefully, uh, Rusty and Mount Comfort RV, we can work something out and uh, you know make it happen uh, to to get another RV and, and situated out there. I love doing it last year. I just don't know if that's going to be the case this year. Wife was pregnant last year. Tough. Mm. This year, not pregnant. Downside, six months. Well, it'll be like eight months or nine months old by that time. So still tough. Um, but I don't know. Looking forward to it for sure. Why? You know what? What's your thoughts on Indianapolis hosting the NFL draft? It's a great idea, yeah. right? Well, I mean, it'd probably be. I've never been to Kansas City, but would it be comparable? Jimmy, are you are you going to the draft in Kansas City? We've talked about it with family. I mean, I I never need an excuse to go to Kansas City. I, I love barbecue. Uh, mm-hmm. I love the Power and Light District there. But I would say, in terms of, I haven't fully walked all of the city, so I can't speak to like the ease of access that we're always hyping up here with Indy, the skywalks and everything yeah. of being able to just. How many times have you actually been to Kansas City? Seven, eight. Maybe. Okay, is it comparable? I've never been. I mean, to Joey's point, there's few cities in the world that have the type of infrastructure in terms of, yes, we're a cold weather city, but you could pretty much stay indoors to get from point A to point B within right. all the major areas. Yeah, I mean, I would I would say comparable in some areas, yeah. What about, you mentioned the power and light district? Yep. Is that like their ballpark yeah, yeah, village, yeah. their bar yes, area? Yes. Like, How close like, is that to like the stadiums, the city? You know, not... from, the, from the stadiums, it's still about a... 15 to 20 minute drive because okay. theirs are off of I-70 or, right. or the interstate is Kaufman and, uh, and Arrowhead. Right. Um, but, but in terms of like their, their convention centers and stuff, it's all, it's all centralized in that area. Gotcha. Which is where, and, and Union Station is where the, uh, the draft is going to be. So it's all, none of it's at Arrowhead right. or Kaufman. It's Does, set up where Power and Light will lead in, just like Georgia Street would lead in here. Perfect. Does every city have a Union Station? Probably. I feel like every city has a Union Station. There's one here. Chicago, I mean, New major, York. major city, but yeah. But you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Every city, I feel like. Trains, baby. Like my, my buddy got married at Union Station last year. It was awesome. It is a very pretty venue. That was a cool spot. Two, it was way out of me and my wife's budget, but it was very, Where'd you very get married? Cool. Got married down south, Hope, Indiana. Okay. A little lavender farm. Very pretty. Was it a, like a smaller wedding? No, 250 people. Man, you packed. It was, it was a big one. Yeah, you it packed was, that. One. It, it was a big one. It was a, it was a party. It was the twenty first night of September. Earth, wind, and fire. So we were really partying. <laughs> That's great. We were grooving. Yeah. Um. I just I've been. I. You know what? I love that the NFL is moving it around. You know, because you think about when we were kids. I mean, it was just Radio City Music Hall every single year, right? You knew they were going to be out in New York. They were going to do the red carpet there, the big city, get drafted there. And then now, when they started doing, you know, they're going all these different places. I'm just like, how is? I mean, Indianapolis has to be on the list. Is there something holding us back from that? Late April, the weather will be nice. I was going to say, do it on a circle. Exactly. Yeah. Just like we saw. I mean, Philadelphia shut it down. Uh, Cleveland shut it. Nashville shut down Broadway. Yeah, that must have been cool. Do it right there. Put put the commission, put the stage right there yeah, in front of Monument like, Circle. Shut down South Meridian all the way down to the uh, Union Station. Yeah, like the national championship was here last year. They had the 21 Pilots and Doja Cat concert. Yep. I saw you at, uh, we ran into each other that night at, I uh, forgot what bar it was. But yeah, I saw you that night. Uh, Tin Roof. No, uh, I'll remember it during the break. But yeah, no, that, uh, yeah, that do the same thing. Circle, stage on the circle will work perfect. 
I mean, I've been pushing for. I've even said you could throw a little IMS feature in there. I don't Leave know, the charge, baby. There. I mean, I'm, I I have been. I'm trying. I don't know where it is next year. I don't know if they have it planned out that far in advance. Hmm. Well, I I will gladly join your committee. Okay. And we'll do this thing. That's good. We're going straight to the league. We're going straight to yeah. Goodell's office. I don't I don't have a direct line to him, but I can work on it. We can work on it. Okay. Uh, that's Joey Molinero. I'm Brendan King. Jimmy Cook is here. Coming up, we'll come back to wrap it up. And Jimmy's got you some bets. Make us some money, Jimmy, after the break. Wrapping up, Fan Midday Show, Joey Molinero, Brendan King. Thanks for being with us today. We got to make you some money, and that's coming through our guy, Jay Cook. Jay, Jay Cook's picks of the day. What is it? Is it parlay? No, it's parlays are dead. <laughs> parlay's been dead for two years. They were parlays, so I appreciate they you were. knowing the history of, of, okay. of the format. Yeah, 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 you know, yeah. Just some, uh, just some good old-fashioned plays today. I mean, Make technically, us... Joey is the biggest veteran of all of us. Really? You, you were here before me. Oh, yeah. No, I've been here for a long time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I started uh, you know, cutting the teeth when I was 2014. So, long time. Long, long time. I got here in 16. 10 so. years. Yeah. All right, Jay Cook, make us some money, bro. The Jay Cook Plays of the Day. This is me, all right? I'm not a f- athlete. This is my f- way. This is how I win. I felt hostile. The very subtle <laughs> bro. A lot, of, a lot of pressure. Some money, felt bro. Like that, bro. Uh, not like Joey and Brendan said, there's not a ton going on in the world of sports today, so we're just going to play it safe. Not really safe, but play it safe in the terms of one bet, and that is the Kansas Jayhawks, one of the money line against TCU. That'll be a Big 12 showdown. You can get the Jayhawks at plus 110 as it stands right now. One and two on the weekend, but we did give you the dunk contest winner in Mac McClung. Plays on Twitter at the Jay Cook. Gentlemen, do you have any bets? Dude, I tried to bet the dunk contest, and freaking uh i'm not gonna say it but yeah they did the app i used didn't have it yeah i, I had to dig around for a little bit it took it took a number I, I don't know if that's a, i was that's gonna a, bet mcclung no. what'd you get him at uh well by that time apparently like the early odds were he was middle of the pack and then he came out with his whole i'm gonna do two dunks that have never been seen before what did he start at though? uh you know he started at, i think plus 250 and by the time that i could find it it was about plus 110 what so. the hell man Last yeah, last play I had was uh, Buddy Hield on Saturday night plus four ten. I got him and uh, was very very close. But like typically with all the rest of my bets, uh, big fat zero at the end of the day. So yeah, Jay I, Cook, thank you for the pick. I, I got nothing today, but I will be flying to beautiful Naples, Florida on Thursday. My dad and I will be attending the Buffalo Sabers at the Florida Panthers on Friday. So y'all can th- I, I go to, we go to one game a year. And our record is pretty good, knock on wood, when we go. So, go Cats. Panthers guy. On Friday. You know, I was just thinking about, we were talking um, about the NFL draft possibly coming to Indy, hopefully one day. And I think that you got to you got to play on IMS in terms of, like, I think you got to get the, the Indy cars with the team logos on them. And when the guy gets drafted by that team, they have to hop in the Indy car, somebody drives them <laughs> right up to the stage. And, and then they go Goodell picture? Uh-huh. Yeah. That'd be cool. Get out of there. Or maybe instead of a hat, you give them a helmet. Ooh. An IndyCar helmet. <laughs> that'd, be, that'd be unique. And, really, just fully go it, all in. It's just, it's just Mario driving around the circle in the two-seater the whole time. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, th- that would be cool. Or if it's at IMS, the draft, then we really get crazy. And the, and the, the fire Ooh. suit is of the team. It, it, it would take long. The production would be a lot. You would have uh, to really kill a lot of time, which I'm sure whoever's you know hosting the draft wouldn't mind to do. But Every you know. time Goodell goes to announce a pick, he's got to do a lap around a car. Well, somebody else, yeah, well, the, no, 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 no. The player has to get in. You have to do a full one 
at you know 180 miles an hour come up you're in the fire suit of the team that drafted you, you he gives you the helmet <laughs> we really i mean come on man we've seen the hat and handshake and the suit thing for 50 years no i love and then it you chug milk i just keep i just keep <laughs> cracking up about to your point the logistics of getting the fire suit to the player getting them suited yeah. up and then think about all that beautiful ad time that you'd be able to sell Great. for them hey. having to get all that stuff on i love it right? or no, mel kuyper's just talking the whole time he can eat up two it's, minutes it's the yeah. first eight hour nfl draft right because you got to do all that stuff it would be very interesting to see how they got the offense and defensive linemen in an indycar two-seater got a special size that uh-huh. surveys ahead of time uh-huh. hey what's gonna fit you or your measurables yep go until three o'clock in the morning milk for everybody yeah exactly special I, I, guest pick announcers yeah you know, they try to have that little flavor right nashville they had like you know the guitar pick was the yeah the graphic of the thing and nashville they were supposed to send them out there on like a little can of uh, like a like a what am i looking at like a little boat that you take in in, in uh, vegas at like the bellagio gondola yeah, like a gondola, right? I don't know if they ended up doing that, but originally it was like they were going to ride a gondola uh, through the fountain, the, the the Bellagio fountains up to the stage. Have you ever taken a gondola in the canal here? No. <laughs> you haven't brought the misses on that? No, Jimmy, I, have you brought the misses on a gondola on the on the Indianapolis Canal? I think I had a, I think I had someone uh, that I was dating a while ago, a long <laughs> while ago, that like wanted to, and I just didn't want to so badly with her that I said I'm never doing it. <laughs> we might have, we might have kayaked <laughs> once, or 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 one of those paddle, like you know the the pedal boats. I, we might have done one. Yeah, of those, I would. Have, I, would have, I don't know. I would imagine there's quite the difference between a gondola in Rome and a gondola in Indianapolis. A little bit. I asked but. somebody that. Uh, Shout out to a mutual friend of mine and Joey's, Pat Crosley, who just went to Venice, and I made a joke to him, Ron Colley, oh, nice. long-time Ron Colley teacher, and uh, he said, yeah, it's not close. It's not. <laughs> Talk about the worst ideas for a date. Yeah, let's go uh, sit in a uh, plastic dove and uh, sweat like crazy pedaling through uh, the canal in downtown Indy, you know? Nothing like it. Super romantic. <laughs> you guys ever taken the, one of the horse rides? Never yes. taken a horse yes. ride. But I mean, I see them every night because I come do Indiana sports talk. Uh huh. Yeah, it's you know. Well, my thing about the horse rides is that like here's the horse just minding its own business. Then a guy with a Chevy Camaro that's as loud as a mm-hmm. seven forty seven goes yeah. by. I was like, man, it's the horse. Yeah. Like, it, don't it, scare the horse. Yeah, and just the fact that <laughs> you you just feel in the way the whole time. Yeah, I, it, I feel it, terrible. It, it's romantic. You're like, okay, this is great. You got a blanket on. You know, you got some hot chocolate or whatever. There's lights. Okay, but then the fact that you look behind you, there's 16 cars backed up. You're like, yeah, everybody is just absolutely cursing us right now. I'm in the way. I embrace that because it's the same way if you're on a handlebar. Like I love and the I handlebars. Hate but driving I hate driving behind a handlebar. Of, of one being in front of me, like, okay, you guys are having a good time, but I'm just trying to get to work. Ah, <laughs> see, but I'm, you know, I'm the one throwing the window down. It's like seven, seven. <laughs> they all go crazy. You know, you got to play to the crowd of the handlebar. Can you not do that to the horse carriage? The only <laughs> no, no. See, Pop a thing of confetti, just going slow, and, and they're, they're having a nice romantic dinner. Pop and, some champagne. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it's. Uh, you're not married, are you, Brendan? No. Okay. I'm actually, yeah, no, I'm the lone not married person in studio. Jimmy, I, I have been often. You, you start because you brought it up last week how literally every every host single person is married. And you, so you, you up about it. Cliff, yeah. Vince Welch. I mean, I think they're trying to tell me something. <laughs> Todd Meyer and David Wood are trying to tell me something. 
<laughs> you got time, brother. You got uh, time. Yeah, um, cool. It's been it's been great, man. This is I'm excited excited to be in here Tuesday, Wednesday with you guys as well. Jimmy, you're gonna be back, right? Oh yeah, back in here. Okay, good deal. Yeah, but uh, full show today, man. I can't. Wait. Don Fisher called us old, and yep. Daniel Jeremiah found out that I cheat on him with another NFL scout in terms of uh, hanging out. The game is the yeah, game. Wait, so who's the guy that you cheat on him with? I can't say because I used a quote from what he told me. I don't want to. Oh. You know. I respect that. Thank you. He'd never give up a good source. Well, you know, it's just, a, yeah, I don't want to put, I mean, it's not It's not like he bashed anybody. He just said what he saw, but still, it's, you know, I don't want to. Oh, I meant to, I think your Howard Stern is fantastic. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah. Appreciate that. How yeah. long were you working on that one for? Uh, I don't know. It'll take a while. Off. I've been, you know, I've been throwing it out there on and off every now and then. Because every other word's an F word with him. Yeah, much. yeah, right. Yeah, and you have to really drag it out. And But, um, yeah, and the Mahomes one went well, and so I was like, let's make this a little series. So maybe somebody else will pop up with Howard in the next few days. Definitely not on these airwaves, but you can find it at uh, Joey Molinaro, uh, wherever you follow online, Twitter, Instagram, uh, Facebook, YouTube. A little plug there. Yeah, Howard probably would not pair well with the FCC. No, no. Well, have you seen the movie Private Parts, his movie? No. Oh, well, you got to watch it. Yeah, it's about his come up and, and really? the radio industry and everything. Yeah. And so he he, met, he had a lot of issues uh, with the uh, WNBC. My favorite, uh, how I, like I always catch random Howard Stern segments on YouTube that just pop up in like your suggestion, yep. like the the segments with Beetlejuice. Mm-hmm. You know who I'm talking mm-hmm. about? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. spell red. Yep, yeah. <laughs> all time stuff. All time stuff. Yeah, um, good stuff. Thanks to Scott Agnes, uh, Don Fisher again. Um, got IU at Michigan State tomorrow night. Late tip there. Uh, like we talked about with Don, going to be a, a very emotional evening up there in East Lansing after uh, the tragedy that happened up on campus there last week. But then of course after that, uh, you got the big one in West Lafayette. IU Purdue on Saturday. We haven't even got, we haven't even touched on that yet. We got tomorrow and Wednesday really to hone in on the Hoosiers and the Boilers. Yeah, I mean that. Are you going to that game? I'm not. That I'm going to Sam Silver Circle. Anybody's welcome if they want to join. That environment's going to be nuts. Yes, because you know the Purdue kids are going to go all out. Yep, because they need a win. Well, a lot's on the line. Not only are they pissed about what happened in Bloomington, but a lot's on the line. We have about less than about a minute, minute and a half. One to ask you. Are you worried about that game? Executive producer Todd Meyer, big Purdue fan, but mm-hmm. Purdue fans are often, you know, I get it, like sky is falling. Totally yeah. understand. Are you worried about that game? Because an IU fan, I'm not. Like, I think Purdue's going to come out swinging. Mackey's going to be rocking. And I, I think, no, no, I'm not. I think Purdue will win. You know, I'm not going to go, you know, banging on, right. on my chest and saying, oh, this way, it's up at Mackey now. Wait. But, like, I think Purdue will win. I think, you know, the IU and Trace Jackson Davis and company have shown that, yeah, they'll, they'll give them their best fight, especially in a rivalry game. All that's going to be at stake, too, with the Big Ten implications. So, yeah, but I think I think Purdue will win. Yeah. I use a completely different team when Miller Cop shoots. Mm-hmm. That, that's just the state of the game. Because Jay Cook, we've talked a lot about this. I don't think IU wins a tournament game if it's just Jackson Davis and Hochefina. I don't think you want a tournament game that way. I mean, if you get a collective effort, even if it's single digits of like seven to nine points from other right. role players, that's fine. Come but I, I'm right there with you. I feel more shots. confident. Well, if I, I forgot what game it was, but like the the five other players that touched the floor for IU scored a combined 13 points. That, well, that's well, at minimum, it was it was the Northwestern game. Uh, might, that might have been the one. Two. Same. I mean, yeah, with, that's the case with IU. Same we said for Purdue with you know the, their backcourt. They come out and lawyer and. Yeah, I feel Smith like they're learning their lesson though at the right time. Yeah. You know, like if you have to if you have to learn the lesson of what it takes to play in March, you're not going to go so, very far. But yep. you learn that lesson towards the back end of February. I think you'll be OK. Brendan King, Joey Molinaro and Jimmy Cook. This crew 
We'll be back with you tomorrow. We're looking forward to that very much. John is next. 93.5107.5 The Fan.